Trustee Lawrence? Yeah. Trustee Varney? Yeah. We have a quorum. Unlike last time, we really have everyone here. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, thank you all for coming. It seems like I just saw you an hour or so ago. I don't know. Strange feeling. Um, okay. Um, well, we have a very fun and packed agenda tonight. Sorry we're starting a little bit late. Um, why don't we start with the... Um, First item, which is the approval of the minutes. If someone would move. I'll move. Thank you. Second? Second? I wasn't here. Second. <sighs> Fine. Thank you. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All in favor, aye. 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 I'll abstain. I wasn't here. Okay. Very good. All right. That was approved. Um, three and one abstention. Uh, committee planning. Um, Thank you. So, um, Go ahead. This is on uh, page nine of your package. Let me get this a little closer. Um, <clears throat> so tonight, we, we really want to get in depth on uh, capital expenditures. So in addition to reviewing the high-level uh, resource allocation plan that, that management is, is currently recommending, um, <clears throat> we're going to give you more detail. We have several people who handled some ma major components of the capital budget to get into uh, uh, some of the detail, and I think you should have a couple of handouts that look like this that uh, list some of the very specific items. Um, <clears throat> related to that next next meeting, um, we thought it would be an opportune time to have a discussion of uh, philanthropic opportunities. Um, uh, Deb Barnes is uh, graciously offered to attend and make a presentation next next month, and uh, we will be giving a budget update. Uh, management's working on the budget right now, and then we intend to have uh, pretty comprehensive reviews in uh, May and June. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, tonight I'm going to report on the Siemens contract, which is part of the revenue cycle. Then we have TDEP, GE Biomed, Xerox, and then nothing in nothing in June. So that's our planning calendar. Okay. And then on that, with respect to the uh, philanthropic opportunities, I, I mentioned this to um, Deb, but I um, I know that in our budgets we've typically assumed about a three million dollar contribution and one thing I would like as a one as a single trustee would like to challenge is what would we what would need to be done what would we need to do to turn that into thirty million dollars a year for example um, because I think that the needs of AHS are much greater than three million dollars a year. So you're going to sit on their board? Is that what you're deciding to do? <laughs> no, no. I think it's much more effective just to grumble from the outside. <laughs> well, I like that strategy myself. Yeah, I, I think it's all, I'm, I'm you know, sort of mirroring you, <clears throat> Trustee Lawrence. Yes. Um, so. <laughs> I got yeah. that singer. Don't think it didn't go by. Well, and, and, and the genesis of this is, you know, doing the financial plan, it was obvious that the, mm -hmm. the capital needs really outpace what we can generate internally from operations. So I think we really do need to have a much bigger vision mm -hmm. on philanthropy. Yeah. So so let's make it expansive. Yes. And let's see. And then we're also going to do the budget update, so that's very good. Um, trustees, any other comments or desires here? Okay. And then I will note that the very next health care committee meeting is March 14th. Um, are we on the agenda March 14th? We yes. are. Yes. Uh, and and uh, 
um, Re Rebecca Gephardt will be reporting to the board on the uh, Toyon recommendations, and they have requested that, that we attend and uh, provide an update on our work plan to address those. So we'll also be planning to bring that back to our board at a uh, convenient time when, when there's room on the agenda. Um, would it make sense to at least uh, share that with the board in advance? It's the document that uh, we referenced. Uh, Rebecca's going to be giving the same report um, and Nancy that, that they gave to this board. Uh, finance and IT, uh, along with others, have worked on the action plan, uh, sort of the next iteration of the work to, uh, remaining as out in that report, and so we have the, that laid out. Uh, it should largely be self-explanatory, sort of a standalone tool. I think it does, uh, but there may be some elements of that that you know they're just listed out as uh, actions. Mm -hmm. And so, if there is, we can share it. And if there's any sort of follow-up questions about any of the details, uh, since you won't have the benefit of the actual report or a verbal <coughs> report, uh, we can we can follow up on those as you have questions. But but sure, we can. Sh we'll, we'll be yeah. glad to I, share I just that. think. Yeah, you know, anything that's going to go to the supervisors, we should, share, should probably we, share it. Yeah. We like that rule of thumb. Yeah, it's we, a good we, approach. We like to honor it. Okay. okay. So um, we'll work on that. One thing that David and I tried to do in uh, structuring the meeting today was to put, you know, approval, you know, simple approval items, hopefully simple approval items, as well as things where we're going to have outside visitors presenting um, and try to have those first rather than last um, because interesting as this may be, some people might actually want to leave early. So um, we did that. So any other, anything else from the planning calendar? Yes, I do. Uh, Go ahead. Would you, would, you, would you talk a little bit about the plans for, for the budget review process? The, what comes to the finance committee? What goes to the board and when? And um, so that there's, yeah, what what is the map for that, and what is the board expected to see at the budget review? Is is there a need to, um, because you know I think there was a great deal of frustration last time, and I don't have to revisit that. But uh, as a result, I want to make certain that we don't come up with that same thing. And if <clears throat> we're only seeing the budget once before it's required to be approved, mm -hmm. I think that will put you in a bad position. Fair enough. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, the package we uh, would intend to provide would first give you a very high-level summary of um, where we think the budget is compared to the target that we've been recommending, which is that 5% EBITDA. Um, <clears throat> after that, we would then start breaking that down uh, programmatically. We'd give you... Um, uh, some volume indicators. We would show you uh, FTEs by department and division and show you how they're changing from last year to next year or this year to next year. Uh, we would do the same thing on a total expense basis. Um, and then we, we've established about six work groups that are <clears throat> looking at the budget from different points of view. We have one looking at organization structure, one looking at productivity uh, management. We have one on purchase services and um, a few others. I can't remember all of them. Uh, but we would intend to <clears throat> allow those individuals to talk to you about what their findings are because each of them will be assigned uh, 
some um, you know targets to to find opportunities of, to reduce. Um, <clears throat> also, we would intend to have the um, executives from the business units, so Highland, John George, Ambitory, etc., present their budgets in some depth. And um, uh, certainly, if there's any programmatic implications, we would we would highlight those. I think so. I'm sorry. So, David, are you going to do that at uh, at the May education meeting, and then do it again at the business meeting, or because and I'm assuming, if based on what you're saying, that there wouldn't be any other agenda items except that, or we call a special meeting just for budget review. Uh, I don't know how you can possibly cover all of those things and have a regular business meeting and have discussion from the board and and get get I think a comfort mm -hmm. from the members of the trustees mm -hmm. to move forward without I think a little more so help and, and I'm I'm speaking just for me so I can I can camp in your office and you can walk me through the stuff if I'm the only one that has a concern but I, I don't suspect that's the case yeah, I, I agree, and since, you know, June is the time we approve, so all of this has to be done May. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot to be um, doing budget review in committee and with the full board through May. I, I do Barney, like the idea. Sorry. Oh, Tony? Oh, I was going to say. I do like the idea of perhaps calling a you know, special board meeting where that's the only thing we do, or using one, or using the education meeting or something. I'm just assuming that the business meeting, there's always going to be lots of things to cover. But um, this is, give, given the energy last time, I think, um, you know, we're going to need the full board meeting's worth of time to okay. cover stuff. So, no yeah. sense uh, cheaping out, as they say. Uh, just so not to uh, violate some procedural rule, but we all want him to take another meeting and to explain it to it clearly. We're sort of asking him that, but I, I'm going to ask you, because who who has the authority to tell him to do it? In other words, if we say we want you to do it, we don't have the right to talk to him because the chain of command goes this way and this way. So I I would like to make some kind of a motion that says we want another meeting in addition to the ones that are scheduled, so we understand what we're doing. I don't know what's wrong with that, or and you know, if we have to come in on Sunday afternoon, or we have to come in on Saturday morning, or whatever it is, uh, we're willing to do it, but we need that meeting. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Uh, we, up to now, what we discussed was uh, a May meeting where we present the budget and, and have discussions, and then the June meeting where we follow up on any sort of feedback, and then that is the point we vote on it. Hearing your concerns, I think you can take a motion to say, you know, we, we would like a special meeting uh, that's just about the budget, and we will execute on that. Or you have the option of uh, there's a June education meeting. We can say we'll do the May meeting and the June education meeting will also be a furtherance of the board, or, you know, a special meeting that's dedicated uh, solely to the budget. That'd be the education item, so, because there aren't any business items on that. Uh, and then the late June meeting be the meeting where you do the third review of it and be, uh, it be an action item there. It's well, up to you, though. Well, right? along that same line, I think it needs to be a meeting, but the only thing we talk about is the budget. I think that's you know, what we're saying. It, you I'm, know, I'm, when we try to do more than one thing in a meeting, uh, you know, it uh, doesn't get done. So I think we need to have a special meeting, just talk about the budget. Sure. 
and then uh, I think also it would be helpful in those discussions if we it's helpful you know to, to us and I believe also helpful to all those people we spent the afternoon with today to have a, a clear distinction between what is revenue that we generate as opposed to what is revenue that people give us because when we when we get reports like the reports we're getting right now we say you know we're we're down here we're down here but when we throw in the revenue we get from others we're doing better so i don't know what the revenue we get from others what that amount is and how much it makes it better because it's 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 in a very even though it's uh, supposedly a, a CFO talking, it's almost like a non-CFO talking, saying uh, you know it's getting better or it's better when we throw in this extraneous uh, revenue. And again, that, that just really confuses me, and it also makes it unclear just how well we're doing or, or how poorly we're doing. Understanding that we're never going to make a profit, just if we only count the revenue we generate and do not count the revenue that comes in from outside sources like, uh, like Measure AA. But I think it's important that we know how well we're doing on our own. Because we, it tends to, there's a psychological thing that when someone says to you, we're doing better and it's gonna be okay, but they don't tell you what components cause them to come to the conclusion that we're doing better and it's going to be okay because we don't know what the sources of the revenue are. Okay, I, I think I understand. I want to take a stab. Uh, when um, when we provide the financial reports, um, we break up the re the revenues into two main buckets. One is net patient services revenues, and the other is supplemental funding. Um, Within the supplemental funding, there are different types of supplemental funding. So Measure A is a, a source of supplemental funding for which we uh, delineate that that is, you know, that's a source that is basically taxpayer contributions in support of the medical center's mission. The other sources of, of supplemental funding are a combination of things, but many of them are generally driven by some form of supplement that's on top of the net patient services uh, that you provide. So some way of recognizing that in many cases the costs or the reimbursement that you get for the services you provide is uh, lower than um, what it would be. So, so to separate it out in a way that says, you know, here's net patient services and then uh, these supplemental, like sort of put all of that to the side, doesn't recognize the fact that many of that, that supplemental is directly tied to the net patient services. It's just a way that the financing happens to work now with uh, public payers and, and, and um, specifically here. So, so I, I, I think, you know, if you're just talking about Measure A, we do that now. Maybe there's a different way to kind of call out that Measure A is a different type of supplemental <coughs> funding than others. Um, but uh, short of that, I, 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 I need you to help me out to say what it is that well, I, might, I think what I'm might asking be confusing for, what I'm What I'm asking for is a, a line item in the report that says our income that we earned was blank amount of dollars. If you want to have another category, the income that we received in the form of supplement to make up for what we didn't earn because we weren't paid enough, that was so many dollars. And then if there's another entry where we just get Measure A money, which just, it, it's not tied to whether we were paid adequately, I think those three numbers would help us better understand uh, 
how we're doing. But, I, but I'm saying it's not there in a way that it's easy to see and easy yeah. to comprehend or for the, if we can't understand it, how's the public going to understand it? I, I, I think it's probably something where, I think what, I think what <laughs> Trustee Varney is asking for is something intermediate between, you know, like the heat map, which is very high level, and the, and the fairly detailed, you know, financial statements that we get okay. that in their detail just make it kind of difficult to, it, it just makes it difficult to get into it and, I and, and, and peel it. it oh, so you I want mean, to roll up? Uh, that, yeah, that. I, I mean, I think all the information that Trustee Barney is asking for uh -huh. is in the reports that we already receive, but it's just really hard. It takes a level of dedication. To that, understand the detail? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I, I just, I, it just takes a lot, it takes a lot more effort than maybe is Okay. Um, desirable. Okay. I'm going to even take a, a larger picture of this. Um, and I suppose because I think about it as a former superintendent with the board who came from, you know, parents in the neighborhood or PTAs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And their, their focus was on making certain their kids were, were getting a good education, but had no knowledge of how school finance works. Mm -hmm. And with the exception of of Jim, I'm not certain, I certainly don't know, sure. and I think there are others on the board who do not have the kind of training and background and knowledge mm -hmm. about the larger issues of funding for a hospital system okay. and, and the medical system. Okay. And so you and I have talked about, um, you know, in-service, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And while you can always change the way in which you present the data, I think it's a, it's a bigger issue of really understanding the larger picture. Mm -hmm. and, and when you talk about supplemental as an example, I know we get several grants that support other kinds of things. I have no idea mm -hmm. how many, what, what the dollar is in grants or what those grants are going to. Uh, and yet they're on the line. I mean, you can call through those and see those. But the bigger pictures of, of and for the most part, I think some of that stuff is already outlined. But mm -hmm. I think you need to do an in-service with a group of people who are basically lay folks to hospital finance sure. and, and teach us those big pieces. Yeah. So... That's, uh, and I appreciate that. And uh, uh, just as, as you're aware, and I, I mentioned in uh, last week's full board meeting, uh, we are working with a, a uh, partner or a vendor uh, who has uh, agreed uh, to, to do that for, for us, for you. Uh, we're working on scheduling that now. We, we offered our, some of our education dates. Uh, we heard back yesterday that they were trying to move some things around to be able to fit within that. They thought you know two hours would be a sufficient time to go through that education, I asked, just to be clear. Um, and uh, so now they're, they're coming back. In fact, I got an email today uh, proposing a different date, and I will work with you all to see if that date works. And if you want to either set up a separate session for that, or if, if that date doesn't work, another date where we could have someone kind of walk through with that level of, of detail of, of, of how these things look, uh, uh, but perhaps in a way that would be a, um, more accessible and we could also from that then I agree with you it's it's deeper than sort of just going through all of that but if you if we create a 
different level of a baseline understanding and you say, you know, what would help me do uh, going forward is see it in this sort of uh, uh, fashion, um, we can we can make adjustments. I think that's fine. I, just, I, 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 I want to be careful though that, and I don't, I don't, perhaps this isn't an issue, but um, uh, if there are ways in which um, uh, other people who do have that level of, of uh, detail look at our financial statements and we produce them in a way that doesn't allow them to see the various pieces that fit into supplemental funding that we don't create an issue for us from a reporting perspective. But if it's a different thing that we just need for a governing thing, we could do that as an addendum or we can adjust it. What I'm saying is that in, in addition to what you're providing us, that you provide us this in additional information, or you do these summaries for us so that learned people looking at the information that we are already putting out seem to understand what's going on. We're sure. just trying to get it in a form that we can understand it. And then, then a parallel question of that would be we have a budget that says, that projects cash flows and I would imagine it would be very easy when you identify the sources of the revenue, if you could identify what we had projected and when we had projected, we would be getting this revenue that we don't earn but that people give to us so that we, we will better understand where our cash flow issues are coming from. Yeah. The late delivery of this excess of this AAA money or the late delivery of other funds that are not attributable to underpayment on services. Yeah. So we, we so we know and we can identify well. Doggone, it's not us. It's it's some insurance company didn't pay us on time, or some government agency didn't pay us on time, or the Measure A money didn't come in on time. So we're, so we have a better idea what the the cause of the cash flow issue is. Right. No, I I think I get it. I think one of the challenges, and, and, and this is a part of education that you you'll find with supplemental funding, is a lot of it is tied to. Uh, uh, a, a separate cycle than just reimbursing on the straight dollar. So, so we we don't necessarily always know when you're going to get that funding. And it's not. I want to be clear. Uh, a side of measure. This is separating measure A from other types of supplemental funding that are that they, they actually are funds that we earn. They're not dollars that people are giving to us just to kind of you know uh, recoup this uh, or or to you know be nice to us. It's it's tied to the cost that we expend to deliver care. So we're earning it, but it's not uh, delivered on a. It's yeah. it's not like you're running I understand. Now, your I, business I'm not, where I'm, I'm just trying to to expedite what I'm trying to say. But along along the same um, this same. Um, well, go ahead. I have another question, but I just okay. No, I just I'm, I'm just sort of trying to manage expectations because I, I want to do. I, I understand what you. I believe I understand what you're saying, and what you're asking for. Uh, I, I think what you'll find though is, and you've heard this in some cases, some of the funding that we get back, it's not. There's no guarantee of when those funds will actually come right. through, so we yeah. can't necessarily budget when they'll come through, right. except we have. Based off of information that we get, we, we yeah. adjust that to but, figure out. But the thing that's going. very, you know, causes me as a member of the finance committee and a trustee and people that have responsibility, a whole bunch of people, mm -hmm. uh, when, we, when we see a cash flow projection as to when we're going to go over our line of credit or not or whatever we're going to do, what really frightens me is when we have a meeting and somebody says, well, we, doggone it, we didn't anticipate that $20 million refund we had to give back to some agency. Or doggone, we we have uh, you know other expenses we didn't anticipate. Or doggone, the 
revenue didn't come in that we were anticipating. So in some manner, in drawing that line and making these projections, mm -hmm. like we just told everybody a couple hours ago what they looked like and we were going to be smooth, mm -hmm. you know, we must be relying on something, even though we don't know when it's going to come in, like you're saying. Right, that's what I'll tell you. But I, I, we I, must be relying on something because we're, we're projecting on a piece of paper what, what we're going to have at a per, particular that's, point in time. That's correct. And what I'm saying to you is that is what we'll, we can share with you, but you should understand when we're forecasting those things, they are our best estimate of what will occur. It is not a guarantee in many of these cases that that will occur or if a, you know, whenever a reconciliation is done that someone will say, uh, yeah, well, we, we thought you were going to, for example, we have one now that I forget what the amount is that's for the, um, is it like twenty something million dollars or something like that? That's for um, uh, there's a <clears throat> there's a re repayment for the uh, 2014 waiver that's due about around May. Right. So in some cases, we 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 all we do is project what we expect is going to happen. When when there is clarity, when whoever determines that the state or the federal government, then we adjust those expectations. So it's just what I will be sharing with you is I think we can give you what you're asking for, but what we'll also give you is an understanding of that these are projections that are based off of best information and that information you're evolves. Saying, that's right, but yeah. it's better that's than what we have us. right now. Right. Um, Correct. Couple couple of thoughts. One, you know, because we've seen this a lot, you know, the forecasts are. You know, a lot of some of our forecasts are very, you know, they're probabilistic, you know, and and they're lumpy. And mm -hmm. They come in these fairly, and, but the lumps are large material, twenty million dollars, fifty million dollars, and 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 it can be, we may get the money or not, or we may get the money now or three months from now or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think for things like that, it can be very helpful to, you know, talk about the level of uncertainty. In the forecast, you know, along with here's the forecast, but here's also the uncertainty around it mm -hmm. that improves, I think, you know, confidence and credibility, you know, because then, then when you come back later and say, oh, that happened earlier, or later, or it's more or less, everyone says, yeah, you told us about that. That's okay. I think the other thing is what, and and it's, this is not a criticism. This is the way it is, but just that little bit of extra information may help. Sure. And I was thinking with respect to, you know, like, interpreting the P&L or interpreting the balance sheet or whatever, I think what you're hearing is folks really want to understand it. Um, and, and maybe the standard you should be, what we should be thinking about is, we think everything is okay or not okay. And while we trust management, it's also helpful to, like, it's really helpful if we can see it. It's like, you know, and, and the challenge is, how do you boil down, you know, all of this data that you're swimming in all day long and, you know, and 30 plus years of finance experience, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, how do you boil that down into something that a non-financial trustee could absorb in one or two slides and go, oh, I see. And that ain't easy, but but if you can do that, that that's kind of what you're aiming for. I don't think you can do that. In a, I mean, it, I, think it take, I think it takes education yeah. To, yeah. to work through, and it's not gonna, we're all not going to assume it right away. It's going to take time to develop a, a board's good understanding about the budget. We're never going to be where you are. I mean, it's just not going to happen. 
Um, the other the other piece that I'm concerned about, and I suppose this is the time to raise it, is we have primarily the discussions around the budget have been related to revenue enhancement, and and not necessarily uh, reduction expenditure and reduction. And David mentioned that there will be people coming to talk, etc. And in a, in a system as large as ours, so much of it is tied to personnel in, in terms of if you have to do reductions, there are people tied to it. And one of the issues that occurred before you came was the last minute notice to the board of groups were, were going to be let go and and I do know that that uh, if layoffs are involved or transfer of people etc those things take time almost generally three months to implement so if in fact that's going to be the case it's probably worthwhile for us to know these things early enough um, so that the board can in fact ask the questions about what organization where the priorities etc um, and I mean, I believe the administration has the authority and the right to be able to choose what ought to go and what ought to stay. But it should be done in consolation with the people they're going to hit between the eyes. So um, I think I think that would be an important thing to consider as you start developing the budget. That's that's why I think looking at these timelines seem to me to be really important. Um. I, I think your point is taken. Uh, um, if I hear you correctly, and I, I don't know where the action takes place, if it's here or if it needs to take it at the board, but I think we'd be more than happy to honor a separate meeting specifically for the budget. Uh, and whenever you want to do that, if it's in one of your regular scheduled uh, uh, business or uh, I should say education meetings, or if you want to schedule a set as a uh, special session, then you know either way would work, and we could we can go through that, uh, and we can certainly uh, um, you know as as the budget is coming through, as will be today, you'll hear more about the capital priorities. But as the operating budget comes through, and there are opportunities or there are areas, if they if it comes to pass where uh, there is a need to reduce the workforce or or, or alter a program in a way that you know has material uh, effect on the budget, then that will come out. We will bring that out uh, during the budget process, and uh, uh, the board obviously approves the budget. If you say you know that's not a, we don't think you should do that. You should do something else uh, and still keep us to the overall budget. Uh, uh, then you know we'll, we'll 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 happily visit that. But we'll we can do that in you know the, the series of sessions where we talk about the budget. And I think one of the things you're getting to is we are um, uh, uh, having some internal discussions around with within this current budget uh, um, expense reduction opportunities. Obviously we're at the, um, the latter stages of the, the fiscal cycle, but we are continuing to look at areas, particularly in our purchase services uh, area, so it's not in personnel. Uh, while that's a big part of the budget, it's not that we're excluding it. We are looking at those opportunities where the uh, budget is uh, more, um, uh, uh, there's greater variance than, than in other parts, and purchase services has, happens to be one. So we're looking at opportunities there to either um, uh, recognize savings sooner, so terminate contract if, if we can and replace things with full-time uh, uh, employees if that's a plan, or to um, uh, 
realize uh, savings that will already occur because we've already done some of those things, but it's not reflected in the current run rate uh, because it it wasn't the case before. So, so we'll 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 have more of that. Unfortunately, we're not ready to present that yet, uh, but but we are having internal discussions about that. And I, I wanted to say that this is something that I've brought up before as well, and I'd like to propose it as an um, education session for uh, the full board as well. The higher-arching things are forecast and trends and things, but sometimes just knowing our costs, because uh, in terms of, like, I, I see the iterations coming now, seeing the professional services, being able to actually uh, desegregate some of the costs so you know which ones are. So uh, just internally for you all, um, and not that that needs to be in any report form for us, but to know that what does it, I mean, I've always wondered, what does it cost to to get a cardiac patient, for example, in terms of like overheads, you know, clinical services, all of that without. So when we talk about what does it cost a hospital for this patient or, and then I think if, if that level of granularity, if, if knowing costs or at least focusing on that, that's the kind of data we need would help make the trends forecasting revenue improvement or cost cutting that much easier to me, I feel. So just, you know, in terms of like you think of other business units, just knowing what your real costs are at that granular level. Thank you for that, uh, Trustee Banerjee. I was going to ask actually for, for, for David or Trustee Lujanani, uh, is next month's education to that, uh, would, that would that be? Um, uh, mm, no, that, that was a request to understand the... Um, uh, patients' financial experience when they come into the hospital. Oh, how, I got how do they get qualified for eligibility? Go through the process. Okay, so the, different than the billing process is in the back end. Well, we we do actually have uh, service line data available now, which is what you're asking for. Uh, we have to fit it into these schedules because we you know we schedule these to be two hours, and we seem to never never get to the education side because we spend so much time doing this. So, um, but I think that's a good. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should maybe maybe we should do four-hour board meetings or four-hour committee meetings. That sounds great. No, I'm I'm serious. Yeah. I I don't know. Can we how start at seven a.m. I thought we did. <laughs> we essentially yeah, do, we pretty right? much do, don't we? Yeah, we do anyway. Yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Well, um, I don't think we, you know, I don't think we have an actual uh, resolution. It's not on the agenda, but I think, I think there's a unanimity among the uh, trustees here that. Um, uh, having a dedicated session for the entire board would be a wise, would be time well spent. Correct. So, okay. And, and I would just, um, you know, offer because, you know, one, once in a while people um, uh, point out that I know more than an average man about finance. If anyone would like to sit down with me and 
happy to I'm happy to review the financials the way I look at them for if that would be at all interesting or useful for any trustee. So well and 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 it may be a useless result, but but we you know we could have a cup of coffee, it would be fine. Um, anyway, all right. Um, three. Um, moving into the second hour of our meeting here, almost. <laughs> Introduce a couple. Introduce a couple okay. people to you. Um, I'd like to introduce Ira Holly, who's our mm -hmm. vice president of contracting. Okay. And I'd like to introduce Ahmad Azizi, who's a contract manager. And these are the gentlemen who put together the review these contracts and make sure they're all right and do the write-ups and present them to you. Excellent. So, welcome, gentlemen. In case no. there's any questions. Okay. Here. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to propose is that we, um, I, I was going to move that we consider as a group A, C, and D, and I did, just had one thing I wanted to point out on B, but um, does that make sense? Would anyone second that motion? Yeah, but just to clarify that yep. D is actually not um, an approval item, it's just present for clarification. I see. The contract's already in effect, but the spend has changed a little bit. So, I'm sorry. The 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 amount of um, spend has uh, changed slightly. Okay. But, uh, How about a? Then I'll propose. Well, why, why don't we just go through one at a time then? <laughs> okay. Let's do that. So, um, I will move that we consider item three A. There be a second. I say. Okay. Any discussion on that topic? That item. Okay. All in favor, aye. 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 Okay. I move item 3B. Anyone second that? Second. Okay. Any discussion on that? I had a discussion. Yes. Topic. Um, I now, I understand for some correspondence that I don't think all the trustees were involved in that um, you have some updates on, on the numbers in here that were in the packet? I think there was, there had been some correspondence between David and Trustee Lawrence, I believe. Right. But with regards to the actual numbers as presented here, those were clarified and I believe stand. Is that not correct? Correct. What, what, was, yeah. clar what was clarified? I mean, is, it, if the clarification is not in here, I think we should, in the public document, we should clarify that. Um, with regards to this agreement, we were proposing a six-month extension, which is what's before us um, today. Um, there was a calculation with Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I thought it was capturing. Sorry. Is that better? Much okay. better. Um, so we were proposing a six-month extension to this agreement. And in the calculations for the increase in the not-to-exceed amount, which is normally done, um, I think there had been some questions that Trustee Lawrence had raised when she saw the initial packet presented a few days ago. And there had been an error, I believe, in our calculation reference to another agreement separately with UOP. And so when that calculation was corrected to address the fact that we were referencing a separate and incorrect agreement. There are two agreements with UOP. So when that was adjusted for, the calculations were correct. And so that is what we are going with. Okay, well then, uh, I 
appreciate, and you were very thorough in your projection, how, but it, that wasn't public. And so we, we're going to need to make certain that something, and it can come later uh, if, if, if possible, uh, um, so those corrections can be clarified here because I think that's important, just the transition and you made a mistake, people make mistakes, I'm not concerned, but we need to make certain that it's public. I do have a question on the document that's in the board agenda. So the figure where it says the board approved a theory agreement of the 1.9, the yes. yes. how does the 1.9 where you say total contract amount is 238 is... Is the one point nine? Where is the one point nine reflected up in the total costs? I don't see that. So uh, the initial the initial contract was for one point nine million that the board approved. Okay. And then um, a year after that, we needed uh, some temporary services uh, for a year. Okay. And that stopped in August twenty fifteen. <clears throat> okay, and did the board approve those services? No, th this was uh, this was signed by HS in 2014, early 2014. Okay, Bef this is before David corrected the process of what we Correct, doing. before okay. the contracts department was formed. Okay. So uh, that's where you see the disparity. It's a $170,000 disparity, and that 170000 those services uh, are, we no longer need it turned just for those services. So the monthly amount is still the same. The monthly amount did not change. In your memo, you explain that to me, and I, I appreciate that, because I was concerned it seemed like a huge jump in the monthly sure. amount. I mean, it, so I, I understood that. But help me understand mm -hmm. where the 1.9 is relative to current term amount, the total contract amount, the three, where? where I see. So the 1.9 million was the original uh, uh, amount, and then we added 170,000 to it, which will give you the 2.072 uh, okay. figure, and that was not advanced to the board. And as you said, that was before the contracts department formation. So that would get you to the 2.072 million. Okay. And then. The but then you cut something out. Didn't you say you didn't need... Right, didn't right. Those services were ju just for a short period of time. It was for a one-year term, which was 170000 And that expired in August 2015. Correct. Uh, thank you. The one, the one hundred seventy thousand. Correct. Shouldn't that be subtracted from the two three eight nine? No, it's because the if you're saying this is uh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be obtrusive here. No. Um, so you started out with a one nine. Correct. You added one hundred and seventy thousand. Correct. For a short term, making the total contract 
2072. Correct. Okay. And that shows the total contract. But you don't need any longer the 170,000. Right. Correct? Correct. Okay. So it seems that at some point the 170,000 disappears someplace because you don't need it any longer. I understand that you want to show all the money that this contract, these services cost. So that's, right. I that's get the 209. The, and that's the policy of the board as we know it. Your policy is that when we have a contract with an existing vendor that exceeds as much, you want to know all the money that has been spent with this vendor. Yeah, I, I'm not quarreling with that. Okay. I'm not quarreling with that. All the money that has been set with that contract. Under this contract. Under this contract. Correct. Has been 2.72. Okay. And now you would like to increase the contract. Correct. By $317,000. Uh-huh. Yes. Correct? Correct. Okay. But I heard you say that 170000 was no longer necessary. No. Can I can I try it again? Please. Yeah. So so in this current let's let's try it this way. The ter, the, the original contract that was uh, 1.9 million um, that contract went uh, up through March or goes up through March 31st of this right. year. So by March 31st of this year, 1.9 million will have been spent of that contract. Also in the middle of that, you had $170,000 that was also spent. So that part, you know, if you go to March 31st, all of that is spent. The new thing that is the extension is the 317. So the way to look at this is beginning March 1st, what you're approving is spending $300,000 for six months. The rest of it is just reflecting that because it's an extension, that contract and all the money spent over that time is all of that. Perfect. Does that that I understand completely now. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. We're spending three hundred seventeen thousand dollars for right. for six more months. For a six, six months more extension. months, beginning in right. April. Which is, if we did the arithmetic, um, that's the, the the baseline contract is a million nine hundred two. Correct. And so six months would equate. Yes, so it's, it's the, the same per month rate. for six more months. Right. Okay. Is it, that's right. Right. No yeah, it's about fifty-two thousand eight hundred some odd per month. Okay, here. I'm you guys. <laughs> Thank you. As I appreciate. You, I appreciate it, it very much. Thank you. Two. Of course. Hang on. What am I yes. There we go. <laughs> I can even do this on my. I can even do this on my flip phone. It's good when it works. Out. All right. Uh, relieving. Okay. Any other? Trustee comments, questions? Okay. All in favor, aye. 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 Okay. That carries unanimously. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if you could um, then, um, I guess, you know, clarify, you know, what you would clarify to um, Trustee Lawrence by email. Because I, I was on that email stream as well. But. Yeah, and we, we try to find a describing this um, that meets the board's requirements and also mm -hmm. informs you what's going on if it's not working but we, we work with legal
to come up with this. This is what the format that was approved. Yeah. No, this is um, great. You think it's okay? All right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Okay. Good. Really helpful. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's great. And so on the on the agenda item, where where will that file, you know, on the format? Mm -hmm. Where where is that going to be typically? It'll say new contract or. Uh, yeah, Jim, Jim has suggested that we move them to the front of the agenda. Uh, okay. No, I meant oh. this definition thing. Uh, when you do a format, oh. it's going to be type and, type and term. Is that what you're going to use? Type and term. So you're going to yeah. do type and term. Is that where it's going to fall on the on the format of the financial page? So you said replacement on this one? Yeah. Got it. Okay. All right. Good. Okay, let us, okay, moving along, let us, I move, I move tab 3C. Second. Or, thank you, I can't even pronounce, okay, um, good, could you pronounce this, Mr. Cox? Or, uh, Aratius, Ar I think. Aratius, I don't know. Aratius. Aratius, okay, good enough. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I make a humorous resolution that they change their name to something pronounceable. Uh, all right. Any trustee? Any other trustee comments or questions? Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. That's. And finally, I think. Item 4D is not an approval item, so Mr. Cox, would you like to describe I'm it? I'm going to let Mr. Holly describe it. Okay. Um, for this one, it is an update that was requested by the responsible administrators, John Chapman, who is not, who is not here tonight. Um, so we have an initial agreement that was entered into in July of last year, a master services agreement that's referenced um, to provide pharmaceuticals to three of the facilities um, at Alameda Health System. Um, under it, we had an amendment that we entered into in February of this year, and it clarified and actually gave us um, superior rates with regards to volumes if we had a higher volume purchase we got a discount as well as if we paid in a more prompt fashion so we were incentivized essentially to do certain things that we were of a mind to do anyway the result of this plus the projected next three years of spend under this contract with the amendment is going to result in an estimated total spend as you can see here of i believe it's thirty eight million seven hundred and sixty thousand nine hundred dollars and again this just is an estimate based on i assume current projections of utilization at the rates that are contemplated in the contract. Um, again, the purpose of this was simply to inform you for probably budgetary information so you're aware of the spend and also that we were able to achieve with that amendment recently um, a savings actually. And I don't seem to have the document in front of me, but I believe there was a significant amount. There. Yes, I do. Um, we were looking at an annualized um, cost savings estimate of about $802,000 as a result of that amendment, and that's over the projected three years, so you can multiply by three. Uh, how, did you, how did you determine the estimated expenditures? Was it taken over last year or over a long period of years expenditures? How did you do that? Actually, I did not do that calculation. It was completed by um, Doug Dopaggio, who is the director of pharmacy in conjunction with John Chapman. Um, they assumedly would have created that calculation based on past experience as well as projections for the next three years. Yes. Yeah. It, was, it was based on past uh, uh, experience and how we paid uh, 
because the term uh, the payment terms was net 60 or so so when we cut it down so they compared with uh, compared it to when the payment rates was net 60 and now that when the payment rate's going to be net 30 mm -hmm. uh, that's part of the calculation that's the savings. The savings. The estimated right. savings is based is what you have reported here. Correct. That's part of it. Right. Okay. So I was interested in how you determined, or how they determined, you didn't, how they determine the estimated expenditures, because if it was just from one year, then the estimate gets gets soggy. If it was over estimating and you gave an average of five years or three years, then you come to, a, I think, a little more number that's a little more solid, in my view, of, of what you expect to save. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> you know, so they have a tiered system also, and uh, they may have estimated that way, where if you purchase a certain amount, you'll get this uh, big of a discount. If you purchase this amount, you get this. So... They're basing it partly off that as well. Okay. I think you probably took the current run rate and just annualize it out and said it's going to be about $39 million. And at that level and that discount rate, it would be about 800000 savings. But it could go up or down with the spend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I just, it, it, because these are estimated savings and they get plugged into a budget, it always gives me just a little caution about the estimations that folks put in, and I don't want to um, to um, hurt anybody or or worry about their their accountability or their prudency or whatever. If they go over, if wellness eat goes into 1.2 million instead of the 900,000, you know, he didn't estimate well. Is or 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 they're over. There's too much expenditure. So how do you know? So okay, that's all right. I, I'm done. All right. Uh, just one comment I would make, just for future um, reference. When you come, it would be, it would be worthwhile to just review the calculations that someone else does, so that, you know, you can say, we reviewed them. They are correct. Because you're, you're from our perspective, you're the truth. Understood. Okay. Yeah. And. This friendly comment. <laughs> yeah. Do appreciate the fact that you guys work to contract, so I don't want yeah. you to think that this goes unnoticed that you're trying to save money. So yeah. thank yeah. you. Thank you. Right. Any other trustee comments? Okay. All in favor? Is, is this a voting? Not, this is not a voting item. This is uh, information. It, it's not. You can. Vote all right. So it's not. It's, it's saving money, and you don't have to approve it. Well, we approve it anyway. Okay. We approve, sa we approve it, saving right. money. Yeah. Okay, um, before we close this um, whole section, one thing that would be helpful, Dave, is, um, um, I mean, you know, I've had some conversations about, um, you know, all the hard work that the contracting department has done and all that. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be worthwhile for us to hear, just to get a report on uh, the contracting process, um, you know, what you do, um, you know, you know how you make decisions. You know, just bring bring us up to date on the um, on the operation because this is new and it's very very important. So I think we yeah we'd, a lot of like really, really good work's been done over the last year, and I'm sure that Mr. Holly would be delighted to make a presentation <laughs> on that subject. Great. <laughs>
Okay. Well, we'll look for, we'll look forward to that. And Great. thank you thank for you your man. hard work. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Amanda. Okay. Moving right along. Um, we're not as far behind as you might think. To retrospective review, right? Yes. Okay, I'm going to ask uh, again a couple people to come up. Yeah. I'd like to introduce uh, Don Wright, who is our outgoing acting uh, vice president of Revenue Cycle, and Mr. Samir Panchal, who's the project manager for Freed Revenue Cycle, and this engagement's about Revenue Cycle. And um, while he's coming up, I'd like to note that... Um, uh, a couple months after I got here, I, I had a chance to talk to Don. Don and I worked together at Sutter for a long time, a long time ago. And, um, you know, so I'm going to need some help. And he said, yeah, I think I can give you, uh, you know, three or four months. And uh, 18 months later, uh, he's ready to retire. Uh, <laughs> um, he's done a uh, yeoman's job. He really stepped into a big mess here. And he's the guy who has been holding it up and, uh, getting things going and um, producing the results that we're seeing today. Um, Don's retiring. He's going to go back to Bayou Country in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And so I'd like to introduce his replacement. She doesn't need to come up. I won't put her on the spot. But this is uh, Bernadette Jensen, uh, <clears throat> new vice president, permanent vice president, Revenue Cycle, joining us from Marin General Hospital. Uh, Bernadette and I did work together about five or six years, and uh, she did a, as well there a terrific job in uh, turning around the revenue cycle of that organization. And she's worked in various areas around the uh, Bay Area and uh, been a consultant. And uh, really, is, I think we're very, very lucky to have Bernadette here. So, okay. welcome, Bernadette. Well, Thank good you. luck, Don, and welcome, Bernadette. And, and, and Dave, is there anyone left at Marin at this point? I mean, there, there's one more. One more. There's one okay, more. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> we can't we can't talk about that yet. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. So, um, contract approvals. All right. This project. Uh, shortly after we got here, when I got here, the the board was considering. Uh, a, a, a very large engagement. It's going to cost twenty-five to thirty million dollars to bring in a group and redesign the revenue cycle. And I looked at it and said, yeah, I don't think that really makes sense. I think we can do that cheaper with, you know, some consulting, but, but you know, we really we want our people to do it so that it will stick. Okay, so uh, one of the first things we did was contract with um, Siemens, who is now Cerner. But uh, Siemens came in and represented that they could help us fix the system. And so the idea at the time was we would engage them, uh, I believe it was about a $1.4 million contract, about 10,000 hours, and, and they had represented that, you know, they could come in and optimize the system. Uh, it became um, obvious very quickly that really they did not have the expertise to do that, okay? And, and probably at the time, we didn't have the internal expertise to help them do that because it's, it's really a marriage. Um, at that point, we brought in, um, made a decision to bring in Freed Associates to actually be the project manager for that, and that was something that was also approved by the board, uh, and we've reported on that already. Um, very good results. Um, so this is kind of an interesting one because we, we used free, um, Siemens uh, primarily for programming help, and they did a lot. They worked primarily on this, uh, this EBU issue, which uh, helped us reduce uh, receivables, and they uh, provided hours to our IT department to help redesign certain processes that need to be 
redesigned. So we had good results. So we got the financial performance that we wanted out of the contract, but we did not actually fix the problem. And the problem is that the Sorian financial system, which is the revenue cycle, charge capture, billing system, really is not optimized and really does need to be rebuilt. And so when you get to the capital budget, you're going to see that I've got a number in there of $3 million for a rebuild. I don't know. It may, it may be much less than that. But the, the, the fundamental issue is that we need a fix. And um, it's, it's a frequent issue when you have an IT vendor that the last thing they want to do is come in and do a rebuild because it is a, it is a big deal. And it also implies that it really wasn't done right the first time. Okay, so there, you get into contractual issues as well. So um, that's kind of where we are. This was this was successful, but um, in one respect, but in the other, we still have the problem, and we're going to have to deal with it. That's my report. I think that's the last. Uh, yeah. Um, we have met with Cerner. Uh, I have told them in no uncertain terms that um, we need this thing fixed. They uh, have talked about a new product that we didn't know about that uh, goes short of a rebuild, but it's more of a, an adjustment tool. I said, well, you know, it's first I've heard of it. Obviously, we'll look at everything, but um, we're going to review the contract, number one. That's something that uh, <coughs> we've signed to Julie. Uh, and um, they are going to come back, and we're going to meet as a team and talk about what it's going to take to do this. It's probably a six- to nine-month project. But we're going to be living with this system anyway because this doesn't go away when um, the HR gets replaced. It's got to be there. It's got to work for the entire system, and not just the hospitals. It's got to work <laughs> for long-term care, subacute, psych, you know, whatever we're doing, it's got to work. Yeah. What is that? When you guys? Uh, during the build process uh, back in 2013, uh, t uh, the best practice uh, scenario is that users of the system and the IT professionals work as a team to set up the various profiles, master files. Uh, all the decisions on what the system will do, uh, the on and off switches, et cetera, et cetera. Unfortunately, uh, that process did not work well. Bad decisions were made. Um, things that uh, should have not been automated was automated. Um, some of the decisions on how the master files were set up, those were bad decisions. Uh, users were not engaged in the process. Um, I don't think the IT professionals that was involved in the process really were expert enough uh, as far as revenue cycle processes to set up the, pro uh, the system properly. Uh, basically what we really need to do, we, uh, when we say reinstall, is to look at all the decisions that we made back in 2013. Uh, all the master files, re-examine those, uh, question all the decisions that were made, and make the appropriate adjustments. Um, and it takes a, quite a process. Again, you have to go back to a best practice pr process, 
with, with expert users, with the technical staff, to sit down and make those decisions and uh, make the appropriate changes to the system. It's uh, very hard, labor-intensive work. What would you say it's costing us to have it? I mean, it's obviously doing something for us, right? What, well, what, what are we what are we missing out on by having? Well, our days and like I'm driving down the freeway no. in the summer with the heat on. Um, everything's wrong. Things have improved, uh, of course, as uh, those stats just showed. Our days and accounts receivable at the end of last year, uh, calendar year was at 77. We should be down in the 50s if we had an optimum system. Um, we're probably missing revenue. Chargers not finding a home in the uh, revenue cycle. When you say missing revenue, like it's sitting somewhere in, in the computer. Yeah, we have. We, you can't even find it. Yeah, we have something called a uh, charge error work list report. Um, at one time, we had. 13,000 transactions, and these were our charge transactions that uh, were generated, but we could not find a home in the system. So those potential uh, pieces of revenue were basically, are basically lost in space. So we're going through a uh, process right now of identifying where all the problems are, uh, what, where, is the dis where are the disconnects, and uh, we've had considerable improvement. That 13,000 uh, uh, 13, transaction number is down to about 7,000. So those are improvement initiatives that we're gonna continue to uh, pursue. But again, that goes back to how the system was set up and uh, just poor project planning and the lack of uh, the real experts involved in the install of the system. Do we now have the internal capacity? I'm just thinking that, you know, this was the main objective for them to come in and redesign and use best practice and customize it. And it's great that they did great with the EBU, but the main objective wasn't achieved through That's this correct. process. And now to have to do this contract, is it like I know that everyone is points the finger yeah. at the other one. It's the internal and it's the, you know, they won't, they didn't diagnose it right. You didn't help us do yeah, that right. Yeah, blame on both sides. But right now, do we, if we were to do, um, uh, as we have to, another contract, would we, do we have the internal capacity then to be able to, like, meet them I, I think, and, uh, and do the I think rebuild? right now, uh, as far as user expertise, I think we have that. Now with uh, Bernadette coming on board, um, she'll, she'll play a key role in this uh, on the rebuild on the user side. Uh, I think uh, we have uh, internally within our IT department, I think we have the talent to do that. We need some assistance from Cerner though. Uh, and I guess that's a big question mark at this point. When I started here back in October of 14, we are having uh, many, many meetings with Siemens at the time on the Sorian install and the problems we were experiencing. Um, 
One of the first uh, meetings I attended, uh, I asked a question because we were, I don't recall the exact discussion, but it was about a process issue, uh, some brainstorming. Should we do this, should we do this, or should we do this? We had three or four options. And I raised the question, what's best practice in using your system? What is your recommendation? We couldn't answer it. So that's where we were back then. So besides the name change, what has changed at Cerner Siemens to give us confidence that they're the people that should help us again? Just to, I'll answer your question just in a second sure. here, but just to elaborate on, it's not only just revenue loss for the organization, I think. The other, um, the other real issue is the amount of manual rework that happens of just getting you know, the revenue cycle to Good work. Point. So it's a very manual process right now. If you can think about an engine that's humming, right, that's working, um, you want that engine just to, be, just to be flowing, right? And that's the way the revenue cycle should work, right? Patients should be seen, charges should be dropped, bills should be dropped, and we should be getting paid. And right now it's a very kind of, it's an engine that's hiccuping a lot along the way. So um, that leads to you know some cash issues along the way, as David addressed along the way. Um, to address your question about, that's correct. Right. Yeah. Need training. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And to address your second question about Cerner, um, so Cerner right now has, you know, does have the capabilities from Siemens that have been brought into house. You know, I think the big change uh, is really um, not Cerner leading the effort, but AHS leading the effort. And, and now we really have the expertise in house to be able to guide them and direct them than we had before. So, so, um I mean, I, I do believe that it's that one must invest to um, set up cost avoidance in future. So I, I get that idea, and, and certainly the investment is, is something one must do. But what is the incentive for Cerner to, well, I appreciate that AS, uh, AHS has to lead this stuff. What's the incentive for Cerner to um, to do what it is we would like to have done, and, and so that's one question. And the, the other question is, uh, who else is uh, Cerner, uh, Cerner working with relative to this same issue? So that, in my mind, their investment of is not just with AHS to fix these billing issues, but other pe other clients that they may have. Are likely to have similar similar issues. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a sense of that, David, or or whomever? I um, let me ask you first. So sure. The first incentive is, is that uh, we have a contract, and and they need to perform under the contract. Uh, it's really up to us to hold them accountable, and I think that that really hasn't been there, at least since I've been here. So we need to be tap dancing on their desk, saying no, 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 fix this, or you know we have remedies. Uh, the other thing is that we're looking at new systems, and if they want to be our partner, they need to deliver. 
and we've delivered that message now that you know we're not going to go anywhere with the EHR until you know you address the problems and, and do what you said you're going to do. Uh, do you want to say anything else, Samir? No, I think we'll have to do our due diligence with you know with Sarner in terms of looking at other event or other sites that they've worked at and resolving similar issues as well. Um. Uh, okay, I just it just gets me so. <laughs> yeah, believe me, we share yeah. we share yeah. your frustration. It's been painful. Is there? I mean, is there any other? I'm, I'm not just well. Is there any other revenue uh, cycle? Yeah, there, there, there are other systems, but now we're talking about buying a new system, converting it. We've already got a big investment I in this. It's supposed yeah. to work. It's supposed to be a good system. Yeah. I mean, what what would you? I mean, let's pretend for the moment that you know they call you up tomorrow and say we're ready to work. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how long would it take in term? What would it take in terms of money and time to get it up? Mm -hmm. in, I mean, roughly. I know it, it's yeah. all depends. I think Samir has a better, more experience than I do. But. Yeah. I think you're looking at probably six to nine months. Six to nine months? Yeah, for a reinstall perspective. Right. Okay. I mean, it, the, the dollar amount is, I think, negotiable based on the contract terms that are negotiated between HS and Sarner. But I assume it's... And but, I, but I assume that the cost to someone is going to be in the millions of dollars range or... Probably somewhere in the millions of dollars range, yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, hmm. Okay. Um, Any other, anything this committee or the board can do to help or assist? They, well, I think they put a woman, no, no, no offense to you, you've done great work, but they put a woman in place now. We're going to get some stuff from those guys. I, I agree. And, 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 she's tough, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, she's tough. And, and by the way, I, I remember from your the large revenue um, uh, presentation you had. I see one of the um, more vocal members of your crew back there. Uh, let, let her loose on these guys. They, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, You're talking about April, I'm sure. Yeah, they'll, yes. they'll win. April and her evil twin sister, Lucy. <laughs> and, and, and Don, um, I... I want to give my personal thanks to Don for the job he's done. Thanks very much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Moving along, that was um, was invigorating. Okay. Okay. Um, um, now we're to the financial report. Some of these yes. slides are going to look familiar. So you saw this slide in front of the board of supervisors. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to cover it, but I'll respond to questions. I don't want to repeat myself, Mr. Varney. Uh, I just, again, it's some, some more along the line of the questions I asked earlier, but um, a couple weeks ago you reported to us that the revenues for January were not what you had anticipated because it appears that elective surgeries or more, more revenue-generating type services were not coming in at the ratio you felt they should come in. And then... Uh, today, during our discussions with all those folks, you indicated that we had received an unanticipated $50 million, which had helped considerably in putting us in a position where we will get our line of credit down within limits by the end of the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. um, 
What I'm concerned about, and I said this earlier, but is your first bullet point where it says operating margins have improved on strong volumes and collection ratio. Yeah. Supplemental revenue has been favorable, offsetting negative variance in net patient service revenue. Okay, that is really, that's a good example of a really hard thing for us to understand, for me to understand, because especially when I have this memory that says you had indicated to us that revenue for January was not good, and then today you indicated that we had $50 million of unanticipated revenue. And I just, with those two, how would you have rewritten this sentence to make it more informative as to what were the volumes from normal operations in January and what were the supplemental revenues that you classify as favorable? Right. Okay. Numbers, um, though. Numbers, not words. Right? I, yes. I like numbers. Yes. Let's talk about numbers. So I've got numbers up on the screen. This is from That's my, the problem, though. I, my can't, financial... I couldn't read that if I got okay, up there Okay. So, so the it's, in your finan it's in your package, and it's on page 31 and page 24. Why don't, could you just answer my question? Don't, don't, don't take me through the numbers. Just tell me okay, what the, I'm sorry, I what the just, revenue, what, I, I, what I you were you relying like on. Okay. What were you relying on when you said revenue has been favorable, offsetting negative variance? What, 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 what um, numbers? So I relied on this report right here. This is I from know, the what, income like, statement. Was there a $50, 50 million dollar uh, income that you didn't anticipate, like you said this afternoon? To um, the I said that there was uh, fifty million of cash that was collected. Yeah, what, Ca what is cash that? is different than revenue. Well, but what was it? What was the source of it? Was it because we had been working, in, or was it because it came in from AA or Measure AA, or what? What was um, the source of it? Okay, so it's from a, a program uh, called uh, AB eighty five, which has got a lot of different provisions in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it, it has to do with the uh, Accountable Care Act, and it was put in uh, as a potential protection for designated public hospitals. We're, we're a designated public hospital, which means we get supplemental reimbursement. And the intent is that um, with the Medi-Cal expansion population, uh, so in, in January 2014, people started to have additional benefits, and they could... They expanded Medi-Cal, so more Medi-Cal enrollees, less uninsured. Mm -hmm. um, it was recognized or anticipated that that would have a negative impact on uh, organizations like ourselves. In fact, mm -hmm. we've seen a tremendous growth in that population. Um, <clears throat> the um, intent of this provision was to allow us to recover the cost, the unreimbursed cost, okay, um, now, these dollars are passed from the state to the health plans, which here are the Alameda Alliance and Anthem have Medi-Cal managed care plans. And then we have contracts with them, uh, and we get paid a per diem rate. And it was anticipated that those rates, which are revenues to us, would be close to our cost. Okay? Um, and then what AB 85 said was, to the extent that it doesn't quite cover the cost uh, and to the extent that the health plan has unexpended expenses, medical loss expenses in their budget, the state can approve giving that money to us, that difference, okay, which is anticipated to be a fairly small amount. Are we together so far? Do you want to? 
ask it. No, I understand everything you're saying. I'm just that okay. doesn't relate to my question, but just keep going. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Um, <clears throat> so uh, when we began to think that we were going to have a compliance issue I mean, uh, with the net negative balance at year end, we said, well, let's go back and check everything. Let's look at every assumption we have in the cash forecast and see, <clears throat> do we have the numbers right? Do we have the timing right? Is there any way to accelerate the cash so that we would get that money sooner? Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, one of the things that we did is we um, checked the AB85 calculations. And again, there are various components. And um, around November, we completed the what's called the reconciliation worksheet, which includes this cost guarantee. And it was the first time this was ever done because it started in the program started in January of 2014, and then it takes a certain amount of time to close out the year. Um, <clears throat> and it was then that we realized that there we actually were being paid way below our costs, like half of what we should be paid. So our revenue should have been much higher. Uh, and of course, we had, in, we had reserves. We were aware of the issue. We thought it would be something. We weren't sure, sure exactly how much, but we had it in the general reserves. Uh, but we realized that it potentially was going to be quite a bit of money. Um, now, realizing it's not completely certain because not only do we have to have a gap in cost, but uh, the plan has to have this unspent cost, and the state has to approve it. So when we identified this, we called, uh, found out who controlled this in the state, called the person, and they intervened early because uh, nobody else is getting, no other DPH is getting this right now, and uh, said, okay, well, we will, we will give you an exception, and they called the plan, which in this case is the alliance, and authorized them to release the majority of those funds to us, and that, those are the funds that we received on Monday. Monday of this week? This week, yes. Okay. Right. Cash, not revenue. I understand. But what 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 revenue supplemental revenue has been favorable? What is that during the month of January that you're referring to in your? Uh, yes. Um, so uh, on this chart, and we don't have to look at it, but this is the. Um, I can't see it, by the way. But go, okay, go ahead. That's okay. This is the what I'm trying to do is sort of an educational session. I understand, but, I, but, I, but I, I, I just want you to give me a number. Okay. Okay, so in the, in the month of January, our supplemental revenues were $25.9 million. Okay. Our budget was 23, so we had a 2.8 million okay. favorable variance in supplemental mm -hmm. revenue. And that's 12%. Okay. Okay, and for those of you who are looking, I'm looking right here, if I can, do, you don't have to read this, but I wanna just explain this, I was trying to do this for a reason. So this is the revenue section of the income statement. As you know, we have three statements that we use to manage the organization. The income statement, the balance sheet, and the statement of cash flow. Right now we're focused on the income statement because that tells us how the organization is performing. We can compare our operations to budget. We can also compare it to prior year, which can tell us a lot. But and so what I'm giving you here is just the revenue section. So the, the, the way their income statement works, it's revenue minus expenses equal income. Okay? But this is just revenue. Now, in our case, we have 
two basic types of revenue. We have patient revenue, which is this top section, and then we have supplemental revenue, which are these programs right here. And then we add them together, and we call that net operating revenue or total revenue. Okay. So in our case, what we're seeing is that for net patient revenue, we had 50.7 million for the month, and just slightly above budget. Now that's an improvement because year-to-date on patient revenue, we're below by three percent. So this has been the problem we've been working on fixing. So we're 10 million dollars below on patient revenue. Patient revenue is when we send a bill out and get money back. Supplemental revenue are all these other programs, which are you know, cost report type things. Okay. So I'm saying this is an improvement because the collection ratio, which is now the collection ratio is, is the ratio of net revenue to gross. Gross revenue are the, the charges that we collect, but net revenue is what we actually expect to get paid down here. And the ratio between these two numbers is called collection ratio, and it measures the efficiency of the organization in turning gross charges into you know, cash or, or revenue that we expect to collect as cash. And, okay. and where should that be? What's the target for that? I mean, obviously it's um, Yeah, it varies by, it varies depending on our payer mix. So we have an organization that, that has a lot of Medi-Cal revenue that typically has a very low ratio. For, for, the, for the month, we wanted to be at 21%. But we're at 20.8, and for the year we wanted to be at 20.9, and we're at 20.3. Uh, okay, so we're behind. We're behind. We're not doing as well. Okay, but when you look at our patient revenue in total, so we have 339 million for seven months. Last year at this time we had 307, so we've actually increased it quite a bit, but not as much as we wanted to. Okay. Now, in addition to the patient revenue, then we have all of these supplementals, and you can you can see them here. There's here's the Medi-Cal waiver, 7.5 million. You can see that's ahead of budget, and I think we've reported in a prior month that we we realize we're going to do better this year, so we're going to be catching up between now and June. So that's why that's better. Uh, here's Measure A. For this month, we're slightly below, but year to date, we have 63 million. And that's just about a million above budget. Then we have some of the different programs, the California hospital fee, DISRIP revenue. We're doing better on DISRIP than we expected, and we're catching up there. Okay. Uh, we have a other category, a whole host of programs. Now, in the um, reimbursement educational session that was in your package last month, unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to go through that. We detailed all of those programs and talked about how they worked, okay? And then we have grants and smaller things, other operating, which are things like um, the, uh, the parking lot, dietary, other non-patient revenue goes into that category. So in, in total in supplemental revenue, we're 15 million over budget for the year. Patient revenue is 10 negative, so we're almost five positive now, so that's good. We're catching up. We're net. You know, the first six months we were below budget on total revenue. Now we're caught up, and more importantly, the collection ratio at 20.8 is better than year to date. That means we're getting better 
So that, Mr. Varney, is the answer to your question. Year to date, we're at 20.3, but we have improved in January to 20.8. Yeah. And that was, this, that was a justification yeah. for my comment. Yeah, my, my, my point is, goes back to what we started on earlier this evening. It would seem from what you've said that we did not understand we had a possible revenue source of $50 million. And somewhere along the line when somebody told us we're, we're not doing so well, somebody finally went back in and looked at it and said, son of a gun, we got $50 million here. And that's what that type of a management style or that type of unanticipated revenue and expense is what scares the diggings out of the finance committee is that there's, there's no explanation, no reasonable explanation as to why we did not do a calculation as to the possibility of receiving that $50 million and in some manner pursue it earlier and in some manner advise us of it. You've just said again, really didn't end, thought it was going to be a little bit, but it was really a lot more. And so our point, my point to you is we are, we lack confidence in the information we get because of all the variations that we don't anticipate and nobody tells us about. And so, you know, that's, that's my point. And, and then there's also a variance in what you tell us. Two weeks ago you said January wasn't going to be good. Now you're telling us it's, it's okay. But in the midst of it, you're telling us today, for the first time I heard it, you tell the Board of Supervisors we got $50 million. And, th and then tonight you say, geez, we didn't know we had $50 million. We just sort of looked at it and said, oh, my God, we got $50 million. Can't run a place with that uncertainty. We've got all kinds of people. We've got 4,300 employees. It would seem somehow, somewhere in all that, somebody would be watching. That's a lot of money. And I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm just saying, is there any way to correct that lack of focused attention to those situations? Um, well, we, we found this because we had focused attention. As soon as the cost report was completed in November, we started looking at this number. We could not possibly have estimated this beforehand. And once we did, we tracked it down and we found it and we got it before anybody else did. Well, but the program started in January of 2014. That's all 2014, all 2015. It's two years. Uh, this is for an 18-month period, so it's through June of 2015. In addition to the calculation of what our reimbursed cost is, other things have to happen. Okay, The alliance had to have uh, a medical loss ratio uh, below a certain percent. We didn't know that. We asked them. We asked them for their calculation a year ago, and they wouldn't tell us. They said it was something. We're thinking, oh, maybe it's 10 or $15 million. We didn't know. We couldn't determine it. Plus, the state has to approve it. It's, it's uncertain. Even the amounts in the future are uncertain. So I'm sorry that you lack confidence. We are doing the best we can. We check everything. I don't know what else I can do. David, could I, could I, uh, where does the, the contract, when you were showing about the revenues, where, where do, does the improved contracting, when you contract and they agree to pay us what we think we ought to be get paid, where, where would that show up in, in there? 
Uh, it would show up in the net patient yeah. service and revenue. That, and that's yeah. where that's where that line is. Yeah. Okay. So what we've done is we've renegotiated contracts with which tend to reduce the duct deductions from revenue, which increase the net revenue. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. And, and then the the cash issue. Um, up, you, you, this helped me understand much more yes. because the the difference. I, I wasn't understanding. Um, the difference between cash coming in and and revenue. Yeah. See, I, I saw those as the same thing, basically. So, in, in an ideal world, they would be very close to each other. Uh, we happen to live in an environment where we have these large amounts of cash that come in at different periods of time. It, it's sort of unique to being a designated public hospital with all but these things. But you don't show that as re it, it's not shown as revenue in a in a line here. It's well, what we do is um, so it's shown as cash. So uh, the reason there's three statements, financial statements, is the income statement has to be done on something that's called the accrual basis or generally accepted accounting principles. You may okay. have heard that. And so what that means is that in the case of revenue like this. If you have a reasonable expectation of receiving cash, and there's some tests you have to, it has to be determinable, uh, you know, it has to be, you know, a reasonable assumption that you're going to get, not just a, it can't be a contingency that maybe you'll get the money. It's got to be, you know, you've got to have some justification. Um, you're required to record that as revenue, okay, even though you don't have the cash. And the way you do that is on the balance sheet. So the balance sheet, the equation for the balance sheet is assets equal liabilities plus equity. And so um, if, for example, we say, hmm, we think we're going to receive some cash in the future, but we don't have the cash. Okay. But it meets those criteria. But it meets those criteria. We said, okay, well, that's an asset. That is, that's something real. So what we'll do is we'll put it on the balance sheet as an asset. And, of course, since the balance sheet, by definition, as you expect, have to balance, you have to put a corresponding entry someplace else, and that goes into revenue. So even though you don't have the cash, the revenue goes up. Remember, the revenue is on the income statement. So income statement, revenue goes up. Assets on the balance sheet go up. That's balanced. That makes the income statement look better. Okay, but you don't have the cash. And then when the cash finally comes in, what happens is you reduce the receivable, which is also an asset, yes. and increase the cash. That also keeps it balanced, okay? But the revenue doesn't go up because you've already counted for already, it. Because already did it. And so Got what it. we try to do is we try to look into the future and use <laughs> our best estimation to determine what these things are. And in the case of supplemental revenues, we're aware of an issue. You know, we think it's going to be something. We have to make an estimate. We do the best we can, honestly. Uh, a lot of these things you can't do until you get a cost report. And, you know, in this case... It was more than we expected. And, and also in this case, it, it, there, there's a huge contingency here because even if, you know, uh, you know, even with this number, if the alliance had been closer to their medical loss ratio, we wouldn't have got paid anything, you know? Yeah. So. so just to work, work that um, revenue and receivable example, like take an extreme case where you send out a bill which you're sure you're going to receive the money on for yeah. $10 million. Yes. You would book that as revenue now, even though you have received nothing. Yes. But you'd also book, but you'd also show a receivable, increased receivables by $10 million. 
Right. When you receive the money, you'd reduce the you'd re, you'd increase cash. Right. You'd reduce receivables, but there would be no effect whatsoever yeah. on your revenue. And and this is why that number um, on the balance sheet called days and accounts receivable <clears throat> are so important. Like right now, it's seventy five. That means for these revenues, these net patient service revenues, on average, we're not going to get that $50 million for 75 more days. But we've recorded that as revenue. We've recorded it as an asset, which is AR, accounts receivable. And then when we get paid, the AR goes down, the cash goes up. So when I asked Don what was the effect of, you know, soaring on us financially, he said, well, Probably our receivables should be down around 50 mm -hmm. if it was working well. Yeah. So 77 days to 50 days, call it a month. So right. That would so we mean have we so we have we have 50, 50 million dollars for one month. Yep. You know, uh, one month of receivables is worth 50 million dollars. It could be in the bank. Yeah. So we could have 50 million dollars more in the bank right, right now. Right. If Surian were working properly. Mm -hmm. Which is what. A the cash flow. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. David, I, I had a follow-up question on the AB85 reconciliation. So now that you've explored it, and is there some institutionalizing the process with Alliance so that you, you, know, you have better um, coordination of this and you can uh, forecast with some degree of fidelity what that um, revenue um, might be? Yeah, uh, we are working on that. So uh, as it happens, um, and remember what I said was the intent was that our rates would be set at approximately our cost. We now know that our costs are less than our rates are less than half of our cost. As it happens, our contract is up for negotiation. So guess what? We're going to go back and say, "Hey guys, you know, we want a hundred and something percent rate increase." And then when we do the reconciliation. It, it'll be a negligible amount of money, hopefully. Okay. So, yeah. Thank so you. That clarifies it. In the, in, in the realm of going out and getting the money, um, the one thing I would just say conceptually is, I mean, there, there's, there's big money here, and, you know, and you've said many times there's more work to, to do. So, um, you know, and I know you're not an empire builder. So, uh, you know, to the extent that we need more you know, people on the people on the ground working this. Um, I suspect the board would be um, very happy about that. Well, I I, I hope yeah. so. You yeah. know, I, I hope you appreciate what's been done here. Yeah, I really do. No, it's good, but you it's just like you know, if, if you need more resources, go get them because I'm there's big I'm money serious. here. And I'd rather, I think, I'd much rather get ten million dollars more in the door that we're owed than to think than to contemplate, you know, reducing services or staff. Right, right. So would yes, so like, would we? Where 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 yeah, that top, option top line exists, first, yeah. then then the, you know, so, then, then the expense line. So so I was I was yeah. I appreciate the comment. I, I was in. I was not going to say anything, but um, I think it does bear saying that uh, there is a, a an incredible amount of work that's been done by this finance team to uh, really, really explore all sorts of opportunities to improve the financial performance of the organization. In some cases, that has been, you know, a little here and a little there, but all of it makes a big difference. In some cases, it's been a lot. Uh, uh, and uh, that was my point earlier that uh, we we can do our best to provide some uh, degree of under baseline understanding of how these things work and what we're using to project for it. But 
uh, as is the case with any uh, well-run finance organization, you're always seeking those opportunities, particularly in something as complicated as yeah. this, as where are the additional uh, uh, opportunities to uh, gain reimbursement, whether it's through supplemental findings, whether it's through rate increases, all those different things. So some, at some point, it's not necessarily an issue of do you have enough resources to do it. It's just a lot of different things to do. So, so you know, can resources help? Sometimes, yes. Sometimes it's just a matter of getting through all of it. But it takes a fastidious group to uh, uh, continue to mine all these opportunities. And I, I will say, uh, by virtue of uh, independent uh, assessment or independent uh, feedback, um, that you know this this. Um, uh, this issue with AB 85 and what the finance team has been able to do is really incredible. Uh, as David said, you know, we are the first DPH in the state to be able to uh, mine this opportunity, find this uh, uh, this revenue, and bring it into the organization faster than anybody else has. It's not a situation where you know it's an ongoing thing and you can check every month to say where's the money. The, the cost reports are done on an annual basis. Uh, and that's when you get to reconcile not just what happens with you, but what happens with all the other providers around the around the state. What's happening within those plans, which by the, obviously don't just provide uh, reimbursement to us for services or contract with us for services, but they contract with a lot of other individuals. So whatever is going to be their medical loss ratio is not just an artifact of what we're doing and what we can predict, but also the bigger piece. So the last thing I would say relative to that. So that's all. That was one big thing. Uh, one of the things you heard about before, also a result of this group continuing to do all their work, was a situation where we were looking at what was going on with our receivables and were able to discern that there was a problem and a glitch on the part of the side of the payer here, in this case the alliance, that when they switched over their uh, claim system that they were uh, uh, short paying us, unintentionally, but they were short paying us. What we learned was it wasn't just us, but it was everybody they were contracted with, but we were the first to figure it out. And they actually said in their board meeting, Alameda Health System <laughs> helped us to figure out a claims issue that we didn't know about that was impacting all of our uh, clients. So uh, I want to give credit to this group because they gave credit to this group to say this group is doing as much as they can to really figure these things out. We can give you the information and want to do it in any way possible to help you to understand what it is we do. But there will be times when things come to our attention and when we bring them to your attention, it's not that we're not doing the work. It's as we find it out, we're telling you. So these things aren't as straightforward as you buy a pair of shoes and you know you charge a rate for it and you get that in your cash register right away or you charge it to a debit card right away. It's, a, it's very complicated and multifactorial. So I just want to say that. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, was gonna say, I think to my previous comment, um, I mean, it was driven by an under, you know, by recognition that you know, a lot of these programs are incredibly complicated and you know, it requires constant surveillance just to learn about or figure out how to do something. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it's, it's beyond the can of a, of a single individual or even a small group of people. And even just one more point to it, like in the finance world yeah. particularly, it, it, it can be crazy making, to be public, uh, perfectly uh, frank about it. it uh, in the public safety net system uh, in particular, not that the uh, not-for-profits don't have their own challenges as well, but we operate in many different years when we're looking at financials. So when he's talking about cost report reconciliations, and many times the state, the state can be like, reconciling cost reports from fiscal year 
12, 13, you're in fiscal year 16. And when that comes down, it could be favorable to you, it could be not favorable to you, but you're constantly working in different years trying to figure all these multi-pronged uh, multi pieces out to make sure that your organization is getting what it should be getting for the services that they are providing. And sometimes, in many cases, what you're getting is not just a, 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 uh, a result of what you do, but it's a net pie of what everybody else is doing and how those fluctuations occur, how they impact you is determined when that's when that's all done. Yeah, hence my comment about, you know, if you need resources, go get them. But I'm, when I'm saying in that case, it's not a resource thing. We're waiting on somebody else to do their sure. thing. So yeah, yeah. you just okay. have to kind of, you know, it's it's different schedules. But Trustee Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, as you start looking, and I know you're you're having conversations about the strategic plan and, and where that falls. and. Um, I suppose my experience creates this this planning mode in my mind of down the road. And at some point in time, because we've seen this dramatic improvement over, over the time, and I would think that maybe, and you'll have to tell me this, David, whether or not there is a third more to do or 50% more more but at some point you 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 start getting where your your work and your collections all meet and there's there's you you're just maintaining good work you know uh, systems you're no longer you're no longer calling out all the bad things you're able to mm -hmm. to maintain and so I'm also wondering at what point you see that happening, knowing that in five years from now, that chunk of money is uh, one of our supplementals is to go away. And, um, and you know, a whole lot could happen in five years. I, I understand that. But have you been giving thought to what that might look like in a strategic plan down the road? And quickly, and David, please yes. chime in. Uh, yeah. one, one of the major things that we're doing, and I reference this relative to uh, the, the current waiver, is we uh, the, the, the waiver uh, presumes and actually requires that uh, uh, our DPHs, our designated public hospitals, uh, uh, switch most of or, or a lot of our funding over to alternate payment models. So, uh, you know, a big portion of what we're looking at now, particularly from the net patient services pieces, is because we're still operating heavily in a fee-for-service uh, environment. So one of the big things that we're doing is, uh, um, uh, and you'll hear more about this when we talk about population health, is looking at how we can switch to taking on more risk and how we can be capitated. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of sort of... Um, uh, requirements for us to be able to do that. We're looking at those things, uh, not just from the uh, perspective of like our ability to provide the services, uh, but also to, and to track our costs, but you know, some ability to take on risk in terms of, you know, how much of a tangible net equity we have, what our balance sheet looks like. And yeah. we can't do that right now with our current balance sheet as a standalone entity. So we've started conversations with the county around how they can support us in this, but we are looking at a process where we can gradually shift our payment model to adjust to uh, um, taking on a different way of uh, financing the operations of the organization 2021 and beyond, but we need to do it probably you know, aggressively in the next year and, and continue our effort beyond yeah, that. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I would just say, I mean, I'm, I'm all for that conceptually, but that's a huge shift and it requires a skill set. I mean, we're beca we become an insurance company at that point, and so it's just, it's a lot of expertise that I suspect isn't 
here now. A health system. Yeah, health yeah. System. Not, just, integrated not just an insurance system. company because we still not deliver just, yeah. the services, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. unlike an insurance company. Yeah. Uh, right. But yeah, yeah we, we, yeah. we do become at risk you know, for, for that uh, uh, group of lives that, for which we take on. In right, that way. yes, but so that, that, affects how you th that potentially affects how you think about Correct. your patients and the care that you're delivering and how the you way provide that you do those it, services. but yep. also the, finan you know, the financial impact and, well, I mean, what happens if you, you know, when I was at Kaiser, for example, I mean, you could just, even with very large groups, you could have just a couple of really extreme cases that would blow your entire Budget. book of business out of, out of the water. Right. So, so by way of just explaining to folks, like right now we have a cap, we are not capitated, but we have assigned lives from the <coughs> Alliance, mm -hmm. uh, but we're assigned uh, again, or we contract on a fee for service basis. So any of those uh, patients, if they were to say right today, go to Alta Bates and they get admitted and let's say they stay for 10 days and that mm -hmm. cost is some astronomical figure, we're not at risk for that. The yeah. alliance is. When we capitate for that life, we are at risk for it. So we right. do things like repatriate the patient as soon as, as quickly as possible, mm -hmm. make sure that the costs are maintained, make sure that their care is maintained so we can avoid an admission as much as possible, but keep them well. And so it's a, it is yeah. a different set of motivations. Yeah. Uh, just to telegraph to that end, uh, one of the things that we will have to do, uh, there's no way, well, I shouldn't say there's no way, but I would say it's highly unlikely that we would be able to build that muscle as an organization in enough time to do that at the pace in which we need to do it. So we'll probably go out and find uh, organizations, which is common, uh, who have who bring this expertise and help us to do that yeah. in a way that bridges us to a world where we get more comfortable with it and is a little less risky than us trying to do it all our, all our yeah. own. Yeah, and you may also want to consider excess risk reinsurance, right? I mean, sure. as, as an example, I, you know, I mean, you know, having, you know, having someone at say Alta Bates would be a would be an issue. Um, you could also have issues, for example, you have a couple of transplants or maybe a couple of hemophilia cases, things that are incredibly expensive. Right. And um, they're like, they're yours. So what do you do? So you might want to, I mean, reinsurance is another thing to consider. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a fundamental part of capitation. Yeah. 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 So there. Um, yeah. This is okay. A, are, so, are, are, we, are we good are on we revenue? Where you want us to be? This is all real interesting. Well, I, I don't know how. How are we doing on revenue? How, how do we? What's our understanding level now on revenue? <clears throat> That's what this yeah. is. This is yeah. revenue. I, I, I was going to add one, one, one thought on revenue. So mm -hmm. this is great. This okay. is this is great. It's a great discussion. Um, one other thing that you know, like I've personally done with revenues, you know, you look not only at the numbers, but also, you know, ratios. So for yes. example, you know, revenue per patient day, for example, revenue. Yeah. And, you know, because that can sometimes give you a very different view yeah. of what's, so, of what's going on. Yeah. So some of those are actually on the income statement. I didn't choose right. to put those, highlight right. those tonight. I wanted to just do the basics and see yeah. if we could get through this. Um, another way to look at this in the future is that if you want to break down revenue further, net patient revenue, <clears throat> revenue is a function of volume times rate. Yep. Okay. Now we mentioned volumes earlier, um, and of course we have all kinds of different volumes. Some are high, some are low. In total, right now we have pretty strong volumes. Our hospitals are generally full. Surgeries are down. Ambulatory visits are down. But in total, our gross charges are actually above budget. 
but what we could do in the future is go into this in further depth and break down the volumes and look at different types of volumes, volumes by payer, and talk about the payment rates on each of those. It's it's it would probably take an hour to go through that if we had the time for it. I, I hesitated to jump that far until we sure. get a foundation on just where does the you know what is the revenue and understand the top part of the income statement. Yeah, it might suffice for the moment just to know that there's more to go, but well, there's, this is where there's we're a starting. long way to go. But yeah, because I think it starts with the first step, and yeah, if we don't so get fast got this the first, first step, step, we, need we to can't get to, go anywhere. We need yeah. to work on cost. <laughs> Good. It was intended to be. Thank you. Okay. No, no. I mean, I I take the uh, comments on uh, the need for education very, very seriously, and I believe me, I've been trying very hard to meet the needs of the committee. I really have. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now, income statement: revenue minus expense equals income. This is the expense section. Okay. Now, um, so we have a line here called total expenses. All right, seventy-five million, uh, and this is—you um, can see the budget is seventy-three. So we're spending more than we budgeted on a fix on the fixed budget. As Jim just mentioned, volume affects a lot of things. A lot of our expenses, probably half of our expenses, are variable. Like if we see more patients, we have to have more nurses, things like that. Okay. And on a year-to-date basis, we are about $10 million over budget. Now, as you heard earlier tonight, about half of that relates to this uh, pension accounting issue. But even with that, we have some big variances. And um, I think as Del Vecchio mentioned earlier, they, they tend to be in, like, at currently purchase services, supplies, pharmaceuticals, as opposed to labor. Now that's a big change from prior years because historically this organization's run over on labor. But let's look what's happening here. So if you look at this line item here, paid full-time equivalents. Um, currently, in the current month, we had 3,864. Now that's less than budget. We budgeted 4,058. And year to date, we have 3,977. And the budget's forty-one forty-four, and last year we had thirty-nine seventy-one. So, from last year we went from at this time thirty-nine seventy-one. This year we have thirty-nine seventy-seven. So we're six more. With all the other stuff that we're doing, we only have six more employees in this organization year over year. That's a big improvement. And for the month, it's thirty-eight sixty-four, which means it's going down. Okay, those are good trends. So when I talk about good trends, things I'm looking for, that to me is a good trend. The other important trend, uh, there's this productivity ratio that we use called FTEs, per adjusted occupied bed. We don't really need to explain it tonight, but, but basically lower is better. And you can see that we're below budget. So this is sort of like a volume adjusted staffing ratio. That's a good thing. 4.75, last year 5.28. Okay, that's a good trend. What's the in industry target for um, that ratio for the occupied bed? Yeah, it's a little hard to give you because I can give it to you for um, an acute care hospital, which uh -huh. is about 5.75 would be good. But we have a lot of skilled nursing. We have subacute care. We have psych. We have ambulatory. And they're all different. Okay. So we'd have to really look at the individual 
uh, reports on each of those divisions to look at metrics that we can compare with an industry average. Okay. And we actually have a report that does that. It's called Action OI. Um, but again, it's one of those things that we just haven't had the time to get into. So we could spend more time getting into productivity metrics. And as part of the budget process, we intended this year to compare our unit productivity to Action OI, which would answer your question. Well, and that might be a good project for QPSC to to look at because yeah. it directly relates to, you know, patient patient safety and patient care. Um, so these figures for budget are helpful, but I think the in-depth might be more appropriate at that, at that committee so that they could really look at it. Sure, so you might sure. think about that. Okay. Um, oh, just on that, um, I, I think it's the, it's the excellent question, um, you know, hey, what's the industry standard? But my own experience is you can get into these almost theological arguments because, sure. yeah. you know, well, my hospital has right. more cardiac patients than your hospital, so even though I have more FTEs, it's real, it's, un, it's understandable, and this and that, and you can never, you you end up never finding anything comparable, but spend but chewing up hours arguing. Having said that, that doesn't mean you just ignore comparisons. They're, those are very they're useful and important, but but you know it, it's more. But I think it's helpful to you know it's helpful to understand where your business is at rather than you're above or below the standard and therefore you're good or you're bad. So, and I'm sure you saw that in educational. No, yeah, that, no, I think that's yeah. good counsel, Jim. Thank yeah. you. Um, it, I think it would serve, however, to make certain that you're comparing those various service lines year to year. Oh, yeah. Um, so that, yeah. and that, and that yeah. seems to me to be a place that QPSC could, or we could too, but yeah. I think. No, I agree. I I'm, yeah, I just, so, uh, okay. Thank you. I yeah. don't want to belabor it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good. I had a question. Yes. Is the registry um, going down as well, or how is that in relation to the, the, um, this decrease? So, so we, uh, for the month, are a million, 1.1 over budget on registry, and for the year, 6.8, so 180%, 162 I guess you could say that's an improvement. What's occurring there is it's offsetting these positive variances up in salary. So we have a 2.2 favorable variance there, but a 1.1 unfavorable variance there. So reg registry usage is, a, is an issue, clearly. Okay, but but overall, okay, so we're over, the way I, the way I read this, on the fixed budget, we're over by about 3%. Is that two or three? Two percent. Two percent year to date. If you look on a volume adjusted basis, which is what these two lines are: expense per acute care patient day and expense per long-term care patient day, we're actually a little bit below budget on both of them and below prior year. So to me, that's a good trend. So when I say I'm seeing good trends, to me that's a good trend. Now, when volumes go up, that makes life a lot easier because you tend not to increase staffing as fast as volume goes up. Okay? That's the way I would look at it. So are there questions about expenses at this point? That you, okay. No? Okay. Make one, one comment. Um, so coming from a, from a different industry, um, one of the things that um, you, you, you talked about that there are some expenses that are variable with volume, some that are mm -hmm. fixed, and some that are somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And um, 
do this only if it's going to make sense to you, but, you know, I, I found sometimes that grouping the expense lines according to variable, semi-variable, and fixed could give you an insight into what was going on that you didn't get with just the, I'll call it the accountant's eye view. Yeah, that's, this, this is the accountant's and, eye view, and that, that yeah. presentation is useful in uh, manufacturing. Yeah. We tend to do it this way, but right. when we look at service lines, that's when we do it the way you're talking yeah. about. Well, I mean, you know, we, we would do this at Xerox or PepsiCo as yeah, well, yeah. but then we do the... Yeah, you tend, you tend not to see that in healthcare organizations for whatever. I, whatever. But, I know. you know, yeah. I mean, we could... Well, like I said, if it makes show. sense, fine. If it doesn't okay. make sense, fine. Okay. Just yeah, I'm, 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 believe it or not, I'm really trying to get this to a, a, a basic level of understanding. Yeah. And I, I think if I come in and start throwing different formats, mm -hmm. it's just going to confuse everybody. I'm just trying to get revenue minus expense equals income. Where does revenue come from? Where does expense? How do you measure that? Yep. You know, what are the what are the key ratios? Okay, we'll do it two years from now. Okay, okay. All right. move on. Okay. <laughs> um, and then of course, um, oh, okay. So we we actually did I think have um, I didn't cover income, but uh, it's it's revenue minus expenses. This is one. Uh, it's it's a new report. It's in your package. Uh, professional service revenue are. Um, Billing providers, physicians, mid-levels, PAs, people like that. Prior to this, <clears throat> all of this information was dispersed out into the other reports. Okay, so it was buried in Highland, buried in John George. So what that meant was we could never <clears throat> see how the physician organization is actually doing without a subsidy, or we could, or we could never tell what the subsidy was. So this is a major, major, major improvement in financial reporting for the organization, and it's essentially what Alameda Health Partners is going to do to use to manage their business. Now, as you can imagine, there's a lot of detail behind this, and we're going to continue to improve this, but it's going to enable us to pull out specific services, determine how they're doing, look at their productivity, look at their compensation, and start to actually manage those those businesses. So this is a this is a really big improvement that the finance team has been working on for over a year. Okay, I don't really need to go. And basically, the way this is working though is uh, so you have uh, their gross charges up here, deductions just like there. So we had uh, our physicians basically generated 3.9 million of revenue. Remember, revenue is not cash. We're working on improving cash. Okay. Uh, hopefully, I got through the page numbers right. I hope they didn't change, but it was it was page 39 when I looked at it. 40, okay, I'm sorry. Um, and then um, the expenses are right here, 7.5 million. Now, if you look at the bottom line, it's zero. The, the reason it's zero is because of this number which is called Professional Service Supplemental. What this is, is what we're doing is we're, we're taking those physicians and we're looking at the deficit, which in this case is 3.9 million minus 7.5, which is about three and a half million dollars, and we're charging that back to the business units where they work. So Highland still gets to see on their income statement their cost of the physicians that they're essentially employing and when we come over here, we get to see the real performance of the physicians. So that's how we're using it to improve 
financial reporting and to improve operations and physician contracting and everything else. Find performance of physician. Yeah, there, there are some indicators that we are eventually going to put on here, but um, when you're uh, managing a, a medical group, the, uh, the key things to look for are um, what are called the um, work units per physician, our work RVUs, relative value units, is their unit of service. And there's a, uh, a book that's published by the uh, uh, MGMA called Medical Group Management Association, which is for physicians. And it'll, it'll show you by, um, by service, like anesthesia, surgery, orthopedics, whatever, the, 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 the median and the high and the low for what those physicians should be doing on a monthly basis. So it's a measure of productivity. Okay, so um, if you can report work RVUs and then divide that by the number of physicians, it tells you how productive your physicians are. Uh, there's a lot of other information in that book. There's, there's information on compensation. It tells you what a physiatrist should be paid. It tells you what a rheumatologist should be paid. Productivity is related to the billing what to the number of patients they see to the number of patients they see yes and got it yes okay. to the number of patients okay. they see all right yeah okay uh, okay um keep going okay here's the heat map i i think people generally like the heat map uh, we are running a little late i'm happy to talk about any of the business units or answer questions. Why don't I just stop there and see if there are questions about this? Well, I, I want to make sure you get all the information you need because I want there to be confidence in the finance team. You've seen this slide. Are there any questions about this? Are there any further questions about AB 85? Yeah, well, essentially we took the worst and deducted it. Deducted, deducted the uh, okay, so a payment that we just received. Um, we we did re, we yeah and so so we're going to discard the top two lines and just show the purple one from now on. We did receive this morning some information that will make this forecast about ten million dollars worse. I'm sorry that I couldn't anticipate it. Okay. Uh, some of the waiver payments were delayed slightly, but they'll come in in August. It's it's a timing issue, yes, yes. I, I kind of like that having that best and worst lines. Oh, we, we could do that. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I okay. think that, that clearly telegraphs that this is that you know, that it's a, it's an it's an estimate. Yeah. It's an estimate. Every estimate in anywhere in the universe is imperfect. It just is. So I, I think have just 
Yeah, maybe we should talk about forecasting at some point. I'd love to do that because, by by definition, you're making assumptions about uh, things in the future, and you can do the best you can to anticipate them. But there are certain things that you just don't know with certainty. So we do the best we can. Okay. Here by. I have to turn my microphone on. Okay. Um, so, okay. Sorry about that. Thanks, folks. The forecast would be great. Knowing what the assumptions are really helps understanding a forca the forecast. Yeah. But, David, I want to make certain that I understand relative to the, to the 10 million that will come in August, because it comes in a new fiscal year, you don't put it in then as an asset and a revenue the way you were talking about earlier? No. <clears throat> That's a good question. So we, we've... Um, we, we've recorded it as an asset, okay, um, and we've taken appropriate reserves against it. Um, so, a um, better way to explain it, the fact that it comes in in August versus May does not change the income statement at this point because it's, it's already on the balance sheet and the reserve and the revenue. The fa the fact that it comes in you know May versus there does change the cash forecast, so the timing of the cash comes in different, but it won't change the income statement because we already know about it. It's just a timing difference. So we give you an income statement that in that anticipates the receipt of those funds. So you will see that you you will see that asset disappear in the next year when the. Yes. When the cash comes. Yeah, so we have a receivable on the books. When the cash comes in, cash goes up, receivable goes down, we still have a balanced balance sheet. doesn't affect the income statement. So, I love that so, I knew so, that. So what, so, what, so what this graph represents is kind of our, our, uh, the, our, our balance with the bank value. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, good. All right. Yes, 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 okay. Um, are there any questions about um, what we're doing on managed care contracting? Any further questions on that? I think you've heard it. Um, okay. Um, very quickly on capital expenditures, again, we are, what we're going to try to do is 5%, $30 million, and then we presented this slide today showing you what the current thoughts are obviously this is still draft and subject to your approval. Uh, I, I, I don't want to question the figures themselves. I really would like to hear, and you can probably do it at the board meeting. I think that's probably more appropriate for mm -hmm. the rest of the board to hear. Is the again the thought process that went into making these things your priority versus something else, and and obviously the justification so that we can talk to the supervisors understanding you know why these things become more important than some other things that you talked about and just understanding that thought process i think helps support what it is you intend to do yeah and, and when you say you i'm sure you mean you I the meant, collective you because I it meant, was a, it was a team yes, decision no i don't mean you david i yeah, meant yeah. okay yes that is what you mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> understood um, question. So for those things that slid below the line, mm -hmm. right, um, let's just 
for example, take John George. So what happens if that fund, if that um, uh, outside partner funding doesn't materialize? So if it doesn't materialize, then as I was alluding to today, we're looking at concurrently now other poss possibilities in terms of uh, external funding sources that would be done in partnership with the county as a prospect. If that doesn't materialize, then there becomes a discussion with our board, your board, sorry, um, on what if that, you know, as, as when we come to you for approval and all the details, some of which will happen today if we still do it, uh, um, you'll know what's in the other things. And so if you say, well, I, you know, had you gotten that funding, I would have been okay with you doing uh, the dental clinic work uh, here. But, um, you know, understanding the priorities for the dental clinic and understanding the priorities for John George, I think that the dental clinic can wait or you cannot do the dental clinic, and I prefer you supplant that with John George, understanding that I don't anticipate that you're going to be able to garner more free cash from your operations than what you're projecting. So there has to be a trade-off. If you were to hear the budget and say, you know, I think you're being conservative with it, and you will generate more than you'd say, add that to it. Uh, another example for could be, and these numbers wouldn't shake out, but it's a you know it's a year by year breakdown as David has laid it out. But uh, the strategic plan, you see that line item that has ten million dollars uh, in it and five million per year. Uh, as I, we were saying earlier, that's a placeholder for when the plan comes through and we say what we want to do for the next three years as outlined through that plan. Um, some of those things are likely not to be some of the things we've already lined up. So if we were to put things there and you say. Uh, really nice, but if I were looking at that versus John George, I'd say do John George. It's it's at the end of the day, it becomes your decision, and you tell us what to do. We propose to you what we think, but you'll you'll make that ultimate decision. The I'm sorry, one other point I was going to make: the the challenge in some ways can be like say for example with John George, the example you brought up is the timing of that um, of that. Uh, confirmation of when that might happen or whether or not it will materialize. So we are continuing to talk to a potential external funder. Yep. And when we actually, just this morning, I sent them a message saying, what do you see as the process for how we might, you know, get a, a confirmation from you? Obviously recognize that we have to bring it to you all. And so we'll know. But let's say, for example, that were to happen in July. Mm -hmm. We thought we had great confidence when we asked you for the budget that it was likely to happen. And in July, whoop, they said, they pulled the rug and said, it's not going to happen. Then we let you know that. And you could say, you know, that capital plan that we approve, let's bring that back. And then let's look at whether we want to make adjustments to that. Because we're at the beginning of the year, we haven't spent any of that. Well, we're just starting to. So you can yeah. put the kibosh on something and supplant it if you wanted to. Okay. Um, I, I agree with Trustee Lawrence. It would be very, very helpful to understand like the decision-making process that led to this prioritization. Sure. Um, my my personal counsel. Um, I, I think that there are probably you know there, there are things here that you know must be done. Mm -hmm. um, there are things probably here that are probably nice to be done. Sure. You know, and there are things that really need to happen now. Mm -hmm. um, there are things that yeah we probably could delay them, and. Um, you know, so you've essentially described the process we're going through. Oh, okay, so that process great, is not done, but right. that's the sort of triaging that we do. And then obviously the other big triage point is there are things that 
lend themselves to somebody saying, hey, I'd like to support that or I could support right. that. There are other things that people would say, no, that's your job. That's a part of routine, part of an organization to right. invest in ongoing mm-hmm. IT improvements or invest in your capital over, over the useful life, life of it to make sure you have those things. Yeah. But if there's something else that seems to have a mission uh, part mm-hmm. or it really resonates with a potential funder, part of our calculus is what are these things that we, we might be able to go out side and get somebody else to do and some of the things that you see down there are many of these things we probably couldn't get an external funder for but we would probably as we look at those relative to these say these can wait yeah so what, what i'm thinking here is i think a lot of things my sense is several of things on you know that are below this 30 million dollar line mm-hmm. probably really 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 needs to be done mm-hmm. and you know and and one gets the impression that they're below the line so well if you know we don't get the money; it just does, it just don't happen, mm-hmm. and that's probably not the right messaging around it. And so, you know, I mean, it's it's tough because I mean, even generating enough cash for thirty million dollars for thirty million dollars is going to require you know Improved some significant yes. improvements yes. In, yes. The, in the bottom line. Correct. So you know, so if we say, you know what, no, move move this down three or four notches mm-hmm. and do all those things too. Sure. Um, then we need to find a way to get some money. But I think that to message, that the messaging is important. Say we have to do this stuff. I agree. If we can't find out external sources, then we have to find it within the Alameda it. County family or whatever, or somewhere else. I agree. And so one way to, I think you know, messaging is important. Some of the yeah. uh, the, the calculus I would say is. If we, you know, uh, this one big challenge of being a public agency is, you know, everything is, is open. So yeah. if you were to, as an organization, then say, you know, I'm going to, I'll take John George, for example. Let's say we say we're, we're going to do John George. Mm-hmm. And then you were to talk to some external partner and say, oh, this is a great mission-based thing. Could you help us with it? And you go, your organization already committed to doing that. So why yeah. am I funding something for you? Well, maybe the way messaging is here are the things we absolutely have to do. Mm-hmm. Not and not not to confuse that with this is in our budget. You see. Yeah. I get it. Uh, I think I get it, but what yeah. I'm saying is then then how do you I mean you, you, we have to make we have to do the budget. So we'll we can tell you that and and, and kind of by, by virtue of having it on this list, we are saying it falls within somewhere into uh, yeah. the continuum of we need to do this or yeah. we believe we should do this. Uh, obviously, some higher than the others. So we're yeah. putting it on there to say just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are putting it, you know, at, at a you know above the line or yeah. below the line to to reflect a different sort of calculus. Tell you what, I have some messaging ideas. I'll share them with you offline. Thank See, you. Go from there. I, okay. I, and. And I want to caution us as as board members that mm-hmm. there, there is a significant difference in my mind between administration and and the board's responsibility for accountability. I don't believe that it's the board's the, the board might make suggestions as we do, but I think we have to find out what your thought processes were how you made these decisions. But we can't, ins- I don't believe it's our role to say you, you should do number three as opposed to number, to number four. The vetting process with the administration, I would think, is extensive. You've spent time with your administrators. You've done all of those things. Our role as a board is not to come up with the, the political, how you, how you 
would you call it how you um, how you publicly talk about it? Mm -hmm. I think that's administrative role. R is to make certain that you have thought about those things. Mm -hmm. And, and then let it go. So I, I really want to caution us not to get into the weeds of this as a board, yeah. but to really look at are those things, is there a process that you have been involved with that's involved the staff, that you have doctor's input, that you've had, et cetera, and this is the direction you need to go. So I'm interested in process, not necessarily in the choice, in making a choice about A versus B or C. I just don't think that's our role as a board. Well, I appreciate that, uh, and and I take to to heart though that your your ability to do that uh, involves you understanding uh, um, the process, as you're saying, and then what are some of the things that are there, and that's part of what we're trying to uh, provide to you, pursuant to the request from the last time we were discussing this, and we'll keep going. Yeah. One other thing would be helpful is just you know a bit more information about each of these projects. Right. Right. So I don't know if it's a that was. That's part that's of what next. we're going to do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we actually have several people next. keyed up to. Never mind. Uh, yes. Uh, I have to. You have to. Do uh, you have time to? Because we have people waiting to. Uh, the, I think that's a, an issue for the larger board as a whole. The finance committee doesn't need to. Uh, the whole board needs to hear this, not the finance committee, in my view. So, uh, I would, I would move it to the to the total board because I think every board member will want to know a little bit about what that project is. And I want to be able to make a statement to the whole board, excuse me, I want to make the statement to the whole board that it is not, you're not giving us the authority here, you're not turning this over for us to say we'd rather have the dental clinic versus the, um, the facilities for level three. That's not, our, that's not our role. It's really to understand the process and make certain that you've done good thinking behind whatever decisions you are making. Uh, that's how I view the responsibility of the board. Um, okay. I um, think I, yes, I, I, I agree mean, with you. The, we, need, we need to know how the decisions were made. I do think it's worthwhile yeah. to understand what it, you know, what these the detail. things are. Yeah. Do, I, 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 if I heard Trustee Lawrence correctly, she, she, I, I think you, what you're saying is you want us to provide that level of detail to the full board and not the finance committee. Is that is that what you're asking? I mean, do it twice. I don't see, but we're not voting on it, right. and so you're informing you're informing four of us something that I think the other four will be just as interested in. So we can. I'm perfectly yeah. happy to sit yeah. here and take yeah. the time to understand yeah. it, but I would ask that you give it again to the whole board. Yeah, uh, what I was referring to is that uh, last month the committee had requested um, to get deeper into the details uh, in terms of what some of these things are. So we we gave you a handout with. Uh, Detailed facility plan, uh, IT plan, and we had people standing by to go through that information with you. But um, you know, it might take more time than we have tonight. That's fine. Whatever. Why don't, why don't we do this? As people, long as we have time for the agreement. Why don't we do this? Um, I agree that we probably have to do this all over again with the full board. Having said that, why don't we choose like one or two of these things just to review what was presented, okay. just so I'll you get ask, a sense uh, of. Just, just so we get a sense of okay. what you're going to be presenting and you can get some useful feedback on okay, that. Okay, I'll ask like, Dave Did Wormuth we understand it or not? Okay. Join us at the uh, desk here. And why don't we talk about uh, John George, uh, Alameda, 
and uh, rehab, those three projects. So I'll start with like uh, rehab, Alameda, and then John George. So Alameda, hello everyone, good to see you. I'm sorry if I fall asleep, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Um, the, just long hours. Um, so the San Leandro and Alameda are basically SB90 bills, Senate Bills 1990, that we had to upgrade our facilities to uh, be seismic retrofit. Looking at these projects, um, we did some cost analysis. Um, we've actually put it out to bid and made sure that we haven't accepted any bids, but we just received some bids so we knew we were in the ballpark of the correct budget. The reason why we've prioritized it, this is there's, it's a, both of them are average around 15 to $20 million projects, and all of them will be hitting before 2020. We have a requirement with Oshpod, I met with them yesterday, to have these projects completed July 1st, 2019. So those two are required to keep our two, uh, well, to keep the rehab open, obviously, in a new location, and then for Alameda Hospital to keep it an ambulatory hospital for the, for the project as well. So those are those two projects. Did you mean acute? Oh, sorry, acute. Thank okay. you. Sorry. And then I, I, can I just clarify just a question, um, um, David, because uh, I can't recall the Alameda Seismic. Is that the, that's, is that the kitchen project or is that the? It's a three-part process. It's the kitchen's the main one, but it's also the morgue and oh, HIM. Okay. So that's not the, because it says complete the planning and 2017, but oh, it's it, it, the planning in 2017 and then the execution for the next three years. Yes, sir. I get it. Okay, cool. Well, I stand corrected because earlier today I actually said that that was planning for the larger seismic work that might need to be done at Al Alameda, but that's that's later. That's yeah, not that's reflecting 20, on yes, here. sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. And it's 2019 for both. Yes, where our requirement um, when we first. Uh, worked with Alameda Hospital, we had an agreement with Oshpod to be finished by 2018. Um, I negotiated with them and got it extended to the latest time, which is July 1st, 2019. Um, the reason why we don't say December 31st, 2019 is because they expect the building done and operational. So it's you know, four months for startup, training of staff and things like that. So that's why it's July 1st. What was the figure we heard today at 2030? That's what I was just saying. I, I, I stand corrected. That's why I was asking him that. There, there are two pieces for uh, Alameda Hospital. One is um, that there is a need to uh, repair, as we we're saying, the kitchen and the morgue and what's the third? HIM. And health information management to bring them up to a standard. Uh, that's the, the SB80 standard. Uh, there is the other um, um, a broader seismic compliance uh, that this hospital, meaning the acute tower for Highland meets, all acute facilities have to meet that by 2030. So there's then another plan that we have to do for okay. all of Alameda Hospital to okay. bring them Thank into you. compliance. Yeah. And that would be Alameda and San Leandro at that time too. Right. San Leandro is a part yeah. of San Leandro, yes. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Okay. guess that's it. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Okay. What? Um, one mm. comment. No. May want to do like, you know, just some simple one-page bullet point PowerPoint for each of the projects you want to talk about. Then okay. just capture the, ca capture our um, attention better. Okay. Thank so, you. We'll do useful dry run. All right. We'll do that with the when we present to the full board. Good. Okay. 
Okay, Mr. Gravender is at uh, HIMSS conference. <clears throat> He's asked me to uh, go through his report very quickly. Oh, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, I don't think we're going to go through the detail. Nick, I'm sorry. I apologize. Um, I do want to mention that we've been talking about how to structure uh, um, the um, you know, IT management process. We intend to create an IT steering committee, uh, and it's primarily directed at the EHR selection process, but uh, but really covering everything. Uh, we believe there needs to be a system assessment of all of our systems to identify which ones are viable in the long run. Uh, we would then put together a long-term uh, IT strategy plan, uh, basically showing a roadmap to where we're going to be in five years. Uh, with hopefully a fully integrated system supporting all of our uh, operating divisions. Uh, we would then develop a resource plan in, in terms of what the uh, full cost of these systems are over time, similar to what we just looked, went through. Um, also, before we do a major uh, implementation, we think it's important to do an operational readiness assessment. Um, this apparently was not done before the uh, Sorian financial system was implemented. The organization really was not ready. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the result that we have. Um, I think it's very important to uh, make sure that we're ready so we prevent a uh, repeat of what occurred in the past. Uh, and then uh, there are, um, there's, a, there's actually a fairly uh, regimented process for selecting a vendor to ensure that we fully define the, uh, the requirements that the vendor's going to have to meet, build those into the contract, and make sure that we're protected during the um, implementation and go-live process so that there, if there are any problems, um, the uh, cost for that does not come back on the organization. And, uh, and we have a good install. So that's the direction we're going. Questions? I kind of feel like we're starting from zero right now. Is that fair characterization? I'm, I'm, it's not a criticism. It's just, no, no, it's no. It is a slowing and kind of a, a, re, a rebuilding of a foundation. So, you know, okay. yeah. I mean, I would say in some respects in my mind, we, we're, we're, we're doing that too, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, I don't think it's a full reset, but it is really a, you know, where are we? Let's really understand where we are uh, before we just uh, sort of blindly push forward, Not, and I don't mean that in any sort of uh, uh, you know, well, mean way, but you know, I think we, we just thought we were maybe ahead of ourselves, and so we wanted to prudently step back. I mean, that's fine. It's a massive undertaking. We yes. need to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, like, it's like building a hospital. You, I mean, you yeah. wouldn't build a hospital without an architectural drawing and a good contract, and you know, it's a lot of work. Yeah, no, and, and yeah. one thing I've learned from um, software implementation, especially something this massive, is you have to adapt your organization to the soft to the system, not the other way. I mean, it, yeah, in yeah. many ways. Well, and so there's a, there's a huge HR component to this as well, and a huge training component. It's, so it's, it's a big deal. That we use sort of three buckets. We say people, processes, and systems. And, yep. and, and there is a lot of times occasions where organizations will focus on the systems piece of it and, and see a uh, IT implementation as a, you know, the, the package that's going to solve everything. And if you don't build the readiness around, you know, the people and, and their uh, skills base as well as, I mean, there's a sort of soft psychological part of this too, a readiness for an organization to uh, uh, have endure big changes to the processes and the way they do things mm -hmm. and that they, they, we fully thought that through and we're ready for it with robust engagement, then 
that yeah. third part becomes, you know, a, a, a nice piece that finishes the puzzle versus something that, you know, people think will be the panacea in and of itself when usually it's not. Hmm. I had a, a couple of questions about the interoperability, but I'll trauma send it to, to you ER. by we email. Okay. Trauma. ETA Thank you. is three minutes. Trauma team to the ER. We have a level two trauma. ETA is three minutes. Trauma team to the ER. We have a level two trauma. ETA is three minutes. Uh, this document's now out of date. <clears throat> the uh, handout from today's meeting uh, is what we're currently working on. So, uh, Susanna, did you make handouts? Oh, you have them? Great. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah, I gave mine to Suzanne. I don't know where it went, so it's it's okay. It's all right. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you should make copies. Well, I, I kind of like other things. I don't know uh, if there's more to be said about this, but certainly, uh, um, you know, uh, just a reminder what we are hoping to do. Well, you know, I will I will say uh, for for our board's own consumption that this has obviously been a very exhaustive process. Uh, it uh, has been, I think, in no short part uh, uh, where we are right now to uh, diligence on David's part in working with the auditor and working with the CAO uh, to really continue to sort of fashion an, an arrangement for which we could actually, we had some degree of confidence that it was uh, something that the organization could actually live with and achieve. Um, they, you know, obviously we both have um, uh, different sorts of needs in, in this agreement, uh, but ultimately all want to create something that works uh, for both parties. And uh, so I think through uh, an exhaustive effort, we have reached that point. Um, uh, I couldn't have told you a month and a half from, uh, um, or six weeks from today that I would feel that we would have actually gotten here today. In fact, probably three weeks ago, uh, Jim could attest that I was concerned that this would not actually come to this point. Um, but I believe um, that uh, all the elements here really do reflect a reasonable uh, brokered arrangement with the county. And I think the biggest part of that, uh, I will say, uh, that is important for this board to hear is um, uh, this piece on the ATR contribution that um, uh, Susan Miranishi went through today. Uh, I think it's really important to point out that uh, a prior iteration of this board had actually uh, voted and um, uh, approved a plan wherein this organization would contribute $7 million a year uh, just as a demonstration of good faith uh, for the um, the debt that the county will be paying off to pay for this entire project. In a world where we weren't in a debt uh, situation with the county, I think perhaps that's a reasonable thing to do. And, and I think part of the calculus at that time may have been that we would not be in the situation we find ourselves in now. So uh, I, I, I thank and attribute some uh, degree of uh, gravitas to the county uh, for saying, 
we believe that is a, 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 a responsible thing to hold you accountable for, but we recognize that uh, to do it in the manner in which it may have been um, uh, initially perceived would not necessarily be in your global best interest. So uh, this desire or idea to put forth uh, those funds as sort of forced savings uh, on the part of the organization that the organization could access as we need to for some capital needs uh, subject to your, my request, your endorsement, and then the board's approval, a board of supervisors approval is, is actually, I think, pretty good. Uh, so, um, I don't know if there's any other clarifying points for any of this, I'd be happy to, to address them or David could address them. Uh, but essentially, as I mentioned, the process would be from here that, um, the term sheet would form or, or drive the basis for the edits that we'll make to the actual wording of the agreement. And we anticipate doing that between now and the full board meeting, uh, we will draft the uh, the final agreement. We'll have our respective councils review them. Once it's ready to go, put it in the board package and address any of your questions then. Hopefully, nothing's substantially different than what you see now, and uh, you would approve that. And then we'd expect that the board of supervisors, pursuant to again a general um, uh, agreement, uh, today's discussion would approve it at the end of the month, and we'll have a permanent agreement in place again. So I'm happy to entertain any questions. I have a couple of questions. Uh, sure. In terms of the timeline, so you're anticipating that you will have language for the board to look at by? Uh, well, we'll put it, it'll be in the package. Yeah, yeah, so so the board package. So mm -hmm. the meeting is on the 23rd, yeah. I guess um, it is. So we, when we were walking out today, uh, Steve Manny asked me to do the red line on it. I'll do that tonight when I get home. Um, give it to them, and then it'll go to the attorneys after that. Okay. Yeah, so Mike is back next week, and we'll, we'll have him continue the review on it. And, you know, any questions or concerns we have in terms of the, the detail, because there's some language that has to uh, really further how these things will, will work out and, and uh, the extent to which it gets articulated there, we'll, we'll put it there, or any clarifications. And, uh, and, yeah, we'll put it in the board packet. I did raise the issue of making certain that if in the event that the administration has to go to the county for that, that should should go with board approval before yeah. before the request is made to the county. Yes. So I think I think that's something that ought not to be in the language. Okay. So can I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, uh, we wanted to talk about it. Steve sort of tried to allude to this today when I forget which uh, supervisor brought brought that uh, or um, commented on it as well. Um, the current process is that uh, uh, the CFO and or myself or collectively uh, would just notify the county and say, uh, because of timing of receivables or timing of payments, uh, we anticipate hitting the ceiling. Uh, so we need to invoke the flexible maximum policy, which is that 5% that he was describing. Uh, so it doesn't require any sort of notification to the board. Uh, what we try to broker as if we, if we were to, um, um, put it as a situation where it required, uh, board approval, uh, uh, we may run into a situation where if we anticipate hitting that ceiling because of something that, you know, a payment that we thought would come in and, you know, our payments are not, you know, $5 million, even sometimes it's like $20 million, but a $20 million payment that wasn't going to come in in the next two weeks. And so we need to put together a document, you know, get it on your agenda, have the meeting, get the approval and then request it. We may run into 
challenges. So we would want to fashion something where the timing of that wasn't uh, impeded by a procedural element, not to, to maintain the current status of we don't even have to, there's no requirement to let you know, we can just go straight forward. Although I believe we've historically let you know, we would, we would want to broker something between nothing and full approval. Something could be like notification. It could be like, if you wanted to say, you know, there's a prompt thing that happens on the part of this board, but we just wouldn't want to, and we would think that you wouldn't want to have a situation where if it's, if it's likely to happen very quickly that, that, you know, we have to do this. I think that would be a rare situation. Uh, as you recall for this year, for example, we've had, I think two instances where we thought we were coming, uh, um, dangerously close to that. And, uh, one of them we knew about at the beginning of December, it came probably mid December. And by January we were in the recovery mode because we got some accelerated payments. Uh, so, so it's just a matter of just trying to strike that happy medium. But if you, if you wanted it to be a situation where, uh, it required board approval before we went forward, again, I think it would be a rare occurrence, but I, I'm concerned that in those rare occurrences, it may create a, um, a frenzy, a potentially frenzied process to get that yeah. approval. Uh, I, 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 I take you at what you're saying. I understand that. So, so perhaps I always looked at that. I think a board can be the um, can be the wall against criticism to a CEO and to a business person because they can, in fact, give the authority to do that. So that that was my frame of reference. Um, so it may be that, um, I mean, the board is meeting twice a month. If you don't want the full board, you might be able to use the executive committee and, and find a way in which you can do a joint meeting with the executive committee. Uh, I just think that there's, there's some way, because ultimately, and while I remember the previous board coming under a great deal of criticism by public, because of some of the some of the issues relative to finance, so I think that 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 helps both this board and puts the wall between between the public and, and the CEO, and I think that's our role to protect that. So I appreciate that. Uh, I, so I think I, that I could think be a happy you, medium too. So I think you can get, you know okay. you can you can give some thought to the, to those things. So okay. uh, I do think Point the two. other question I have is explain the interest issue to me. The number nine. Um, so the uh, what we're actually doing is accessing the uh, county's uh, um, access to the tr there's a treasury to the fund, money right and that fund gets invested by whoever manages right. the fund and they distribute the interest and currently the interest mm -hmm. is a pretty low rate yeah <clears throat> and the concept is that if we are negative if we've drawn money that the county would otherwise earn interest on we should pay them the interest. On the other hand, if we become positive, and believe it or not, there's within the life of this agreement, we might actually be positive sooner than later, uh, we would then earn that interest rate. That, that was going to be my question, is okay. that it, if it went both, it cut both ways. It cuts so, both ways. So, and the, the county designated funds for the capital needs, are we, are we getting interest on that? Um, you know, that wasn't addressed. Well, you might. I think that it wasn't. Uh, we can confirm it, but I think the answer is yes, uh, and I'll tell you why. Um, okay. We currently have a, a reserve in in the treasury now to the tune of about twenty three million dollars, I believe, yes. it is. and we get interest on that same rate. Uh, we, but we we do get. 
favorable interest on that, similar to us paying the negative interest on the on the debt. Yeah, I, th so. I think they would probably agree to that. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, if it went into that same account, the interest yeah, so it's would. It's intended to come back to us anyway, so. Correct, and 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 one thing that's not reflected that that, that you will see when you when you see the permanent agreement and the schedules is that that uh, payment, which is about seven million dollars a year, it starts in 2019. So it's not, you know, it, it yeah, wouldn't start on until. The, if you look on up here, so this is the five million a year. These are the pension bonds, and then this is the seven million payments. But we could turn right around and say, okay, can we have it back because we've got projects? So potentially, this could be be just a wash in and out, and back if we have identified capital needs. Mm -hmm. Well, at at a point zero three, it's not a huge issue, but it could. This could change. And yeah, so as Jim points out, it's probably going to increase to one, one and a half, two, maybe more. Well, I mean, you know, over the life, what, over when, 20 years. when you get to the end of an economic cycle, interest rates go up a lot now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, my bank thinks maybe 1%, 1.5% by the end of the year. But, you know, you, you dial back to 2007, and short-term interest rates are up around 5%. Yeah, 5 So that would be... I mean, that would be a material impact on, you know, if rates went up to 5% and we were paying 5%, that would be a material impact on our P&L and on our, you know, that, that would take a lot yeah, out of yeah, our, sure. out of something. It could. And, and so uh, part of the... I'm trying to fix that other yeah. than to... Well, part of the provisions in this are, sorry, uh, are that uh, there's a standing five-year window in which we check mm -hmm. in to say, is there anything, you know, uh, uh, material that has changed positively or favorably yeah. that, that would warrant a revisit to the schedule, to the agreement, and what have you. But there's also agreements for what we, what we are terming in here triggers. So yeah. if there are, you know, triggers or anything substantial that may occur mm -hmm. that is uh, uh, concerning to either side, we could say we need to revisit the agreement. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, in, in a well, in a perfect world, we pay no interest, but but you know, yeah. that, that's a, that's a fantasy. Or They're not that generous, and that's probably. <laughs> if, uh, so I mean, I'm not hard over that, but that's that's a, that's a potential risk that we face, and we should just know about that. Yes, understood. At this point, yes, at this yes. stage. Okay. Okay. Um, All right, Michelle, were you no, questioned out? I had a couple of questions. No, I, I'm fine. I, okay. I completely understand it. And I, yeah, in long last, I can get behind this agreement. It's taken a while, but I can get behind it. Thank you. I just had a couple of questions. They're both more I'll call them operational. So this um, capital fund, was there discussion about how it will work in practice? For example, how would we go and withdraw money from that fund? Yeah, just at a high level, and that was essentially what I've just described. So this organization, uh, uh, management in, in uh, tandem with the board, uh, says we have a capital need for the organization. Um, the language, we have to spell it out more, but conceptually what we said was that uh, with your endorsement, I would send a request to the Board of Supervisors uh, saying yeah. we'd like to ac access this fund uh, for X purpose, and the board gets to vote to release those funds. So the board would say, oh, you're trying to work on John George? We support that. So, you know, here, here's, here's access to those funds. And is the notion that this would be over and above the, for example, $30 million that we're hoping to spend next year? So would this be, yes. as an example, an opportunity yes. to expand yes. that to $37 million? Correct. Yes. 
Correct. Thank you. Okay. And the way that it's structured now is uh, uh, we're, they're calling it a reserve fund because um, uh, the 23 million that I mentioned that we have now, the 23 million effectively counts for us to the negative, uh, mm -hmm. the negative net balance. So mm -hmm. whatever we reflect as our negative net balance is actually what the balance is minus 23 million because we have 23 million in assets with them. These funds, as we accrue them, will sit in a separate sort of right. a designated portion, so they won't uh, they won't impact positively or negatively the debt. We still work on that separately, and it just becomes a pool of capital that we could use in this way. Okay, what would happen under what do you think would happen in this agreement? Let's say that things go really well, which would be nice. You know, things go really well, and either we get a lot more reimbursed, you know, just something, you know, good things happen over an extended period of time. Thank you. And, you know, that, um, you know, in our negative, that negative balance is well, well below the caps. Um, yeah. Could we seek um, to, you know, use that difference to fund worthy purposes within the um, within the organization? Theoretically, the availability is um, to go up to the limit. Okay. Yes. I, mean, I, th I personally think we should maintain some type of a, a cushion so that we don't get into this, you know, but, but you know. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, maybe you go and, halfway and there. Yeah, you want to be prudent. But and, I, I guess the, the, my real question is, you know, um, if things go really well for us, mm -hmm. um, is there any reason why we couldn't spend some of that within the realm of prudence? Uh, the I think the, the short answer is no. The longer answer is uh, no, it isn't. Uh, but we would want to maintain some level of fiscal responsibility yeah. so that we don't have situations where we're having to call an emergency meeting and say we're going to hit the limit. So yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that we, I don't we, think we, would, we max out <laughs> the credit cards here. Right, but, right. But uh, it, it's more that that's actually credit available to that's us. That's correct. So that if we thought that we were being fiscally prudent, all this stuff, and it was within the mission, blah, 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 blah. Correct. That we could say, you know, it really looks like we've got a X million dollars of spare capacity, and we think, you know, and we think we're very prudent to right. do this without adversely impacting short-term yeah. liquidity needs. Yeah. 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 And for for okay. example, on this AB eighty-five issue, yeah. there possibly will be additional money next year. We don't know; it's uncertain. Yeah. We can make an estimate, but we won't know until we get the money. So I'm not going to book it. Sure. But if that happens, you know, if we pick up another. 50 or 60 million, this potentially could be down this neighborhood. Yeah, okay. You know, which gives us more cushion, and then you have some flexibility. All right. That answers my question. Um, I, I mean, I like this. I, I, like, I, like, I like this. I think there's some very positive surprises to me here, and I um, hats off to the very, very hard work and also to the uh, – uh, appreciation for the generosity of the uh, county. Absolutely. So, there you go. That or that's right. my questions, comments, and everything. Other trustees, continue. No questions. Don't, no. Work. All right. I think this is yeah. a. I did that. Yeah. That's good. Then, uh, we'll probably should have done this in the beginning, but I move to refer this to the full board for approval. Or a second. A second.
Okay. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Anybody? No objections. Okay. Good. Um, any further questions or comments about anything? Okay. Hold on. Get there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Okay. Um, is there a pub any request for public comment? Well, what what meeting? I used to say this about Susan Rosenthal. What meeting of Alameda Health Systems would be complete without a comment from Joe Rose? <laughs> I, I say that with affection, Joe. <laughs> Thank you, Chair Luganani, Trustees. Uh, my name is Joe Rose. I am uh, president of NAMI Alameda County South. That's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I'm here to see if uh, AHS is in, interested in participating in the California Accountable Communities for Health Initiative. And the California Accountable Community for Health Initiative was designed to implement a new population health model that would link together healthcare systems, communities, resources, and social services with primary prevention objectives in given geographical areas in a particular health need. And that's including mental health, which I'm very interested in. And so since this is a uh, California initiative, when I looked at the application for this, it said that you had to check off other counties in addition to Alameda County. So I'm meeting right now uh, with the Mentor on Discharge program. We're actually implementing in Santa Clara, San Francisco, Contra Costa, uh, San Mateo, and I just got a call from Pomona that they're interested in doing it down there. So I'm meeting with uh, Manuel uh, Jimenez, uh, the BHSC uh, um, director on March 22nd to see if he's interested in partnering with this, but I don't know who to contact in AHS to see if there's some interest in partnering with this. So um, that would be my question, and, but I hope that when it's all said and done that uh, Alameda County would be the lead in this initiative for all these other counties, surrounding counties, if they're uh, interested in participating in this initiative. So thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that. Okay. Um, all right. Any other public comments, trustee comments? Oh. I would just like a request that maybe, Mr. Rose, if you don't mind, if you could make copies of that and give it to, oh, yeah. you have it, or Susanna, so that she could um, share them with the board. I, I, I can do that. In fact, I've sent a copy of the yeah, uh, application to uh, I've got it. So why don't I? That would be Luganani. great. Thank I will, you. I will yeah. send it to. Because I don't have her email address handy. but She'll get it. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate Absolutely. it. She'll Thank get you. it. Okay. All right. Very well. With that, meeting adjourned. <laughs>